Monday, the 25th of September. Let's begin together in prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, you are a helper close at hand in time of distress. Grant peace of heart to all who are troubled and afraid. You are in our midst when life's ills assail us. Keep our hearts fixed on you amid all disturbances. Your word is the river of life which gives joy to your people. Refresh in prayer all who are burdened. You put an end to war and to the weapons of war. Teach us to lay aside all quarrels and attacks on our neighbors. Almighty and ever-living God, your word is the rock in which we take refuge against all outward disturbance and all inner turmoil. Pour forth upon your people the refreshing stream of living water which wells up from the heart of your Son, that we may dwell together in inward and outward peace. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. It is a better way to start a Monday morning, the Sunrise Morning Show, here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Matt Swain, Anna Mitchell has news, Paul Lachman at the controls. We will do what we do every Monday morning, which is to take a look at this week in Catholic history with Kevin Schmeezing. Ramona Trevino has a book for Ignatius Press that uh, details her journey from working at Planned Parenthood to becoming a pro-life activist. Uh, she's actually going to be speaking uh, with Cincinnati's 40 Days for Life campaign, and we're going to catch up with Ramona this morning. Father Patrick Briscoe, I'm very curious about his thoughts on this. Cardinal Dolan um, got a little bit of play for his comments on the length of Mass and why Masses are long and maybe what should be done about that. I uh, I can only say so much about these things because I'm not the one who has to actually run the Mass. I'm just a guy in the crowd. But I'm curious what Father Briscoe has to say about these things. And uh, over the weekend, I got to go to the dedication of the new Elizabeth Ann Seton Shrine Museum, and I, I saw some stuff I haven't even told Anna Mitchell about yet. And she's going to freak out when I tell her. So... Two minutes past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Pope Francis is back in Rome after a short trip this weekend to Marseille, France, to attend the closing session of the Mediterranean meetings. In his address to participants, the Holy Father encouraged religious leaders and civil authorities to contribute to making the Mediterranean region a foundation of peace in the world, saying... Migration is not an emergency, but a reality of our times requiring wide, wise foresight. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports. The Pope articulated his long reflection around three aspects that characterize the southern French city, the sea, the port and the lighthouse. He stressed the need for the Mediterranean region to rediscover its historic vocation to be a place of encounter amidst today's sea of conflicts and resurgent belligerent nationalisms. To make peace possible, Pope Francis remarked, we must listen to the cry of the poor as Jesus did on the banks of the Sea of Galilee. Among them today, the thousands of migrants losing their lives in the Mediterranean. In this regard, the Pope questioned the narrative of an invasion and of an emergency, remarking that the phenomenon of migration is a reality of our times that must be governed with wise foresight. The Pope therefore reiterated that in the face of the scourge of the exploitation of human beings, the solution is not to reject, but to ensure a fair number of legal and regular entrances. 
He further highlighted the crucial importance of integrating migrants in the hosting countries, which he warned does not mean assimilation. Pope Francis went on to recall the duty of all Christians to witness the gospel of charity and fraternity towards the stranger. Referring to the last image of the lighthouse, he underscored the need for the Mediterranean churches of finding cooperative ways forward and also pointed to the important role of young people, highlighting once again the crucial importance of education in promoting a culture of encounter. Finally, Pope Francis called for a new Mediterranean theology that unites generations and promotes ecumenical and interreligious dialogue to prevent the misuse of religion by fundamentalists. I am Lisa Zengarini. During his Angelus address yesterday, Pope Francis marked the World Day of Migrants and Refugees. The theme this year was focused on the right not to migrate. He said, quote, the right to migrate, a fundamental human right, has for many become an obligation driven by dire circumstances, saying the global landscape is marred by suffering, conflict and the devastating impacts of the climate crisis, forcing countless people to abandon their homes and seek refuge elsewhere. He said there needs to be in, in existence an equally essential right not to migrate for people to remain in their homelands enjoying a life of dignity. In Washington, the House GOP conference is continuing negotiations to come up with a legislative plan to avert a government shutdown. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy says he's optimistic that some sort of deal will be worked out ahead of the September 30th deadline. The renewed push comes after two previous efforts to unite Republicans around a stopgap funding resolution failed. GOP leaders are scrambling to try to pass four of their full-year funding bills this week before making another attempt to add a short-term measure to keep the government running. Ophelia has weakened after bringing heavy rain and gusty winds to the northeast over the weekend. Forecasters say the post-tropical cyclone that made landfall in North Carolina Saturday will linger in the region today as it moves offshore. The storm brought with it 10, well, the storm brought down trees and left tens of thousands of customers without power. Some coastal communities were flooded out of out by the dangerous storm surge. States like Pennsylvania, New York, Connecticut, Rhode Island and Massachusetts can expect rain for the start of the work week. The Writers Guild of America has reached a tentative agreement with Hollywood's top studios to potentially end the ongoing writer's strike. Mark Mayfield has the story. On Sunday evening, the Guild released a statement saying the deal was made possible by the enduring solidarity of WGA members and extraordinary support of our union siblings. This tentative agreement doesn't guarantee an end to the strike. Union members still need to formally vote to end the walkout, and actors will continue their strike until the sag after union also reaches a deal with studios. I'm Mark Mayfield. And the Steelers took down the Raiders on Sunday night football in Vegas to cap off another eventful NFL Sunday. Kenny Pickett passed for 235 yards and two touchdowns as Pittsburgh defeated Las Vegas 23-18 to in primetime. In other action, the Dolphins fell just short of NFL history in a 70-20 to thrashing of the Broncos in South Beach. The Cardinals picked up their first win of the season with a 28-16 upset win over the Cowboys at home. The Patriots recorded their 15th straight victory over the New York Jets with a 15-10 win at MetLife Stadium. 
And Patrick Mahomes and the defending Super Bowl champion Chiefs crushed the Bears 41-10 to at Arrowhead to improve to 2-1. and And, of course, Matt, Monday Night Football features our Cincinnati Bengals. All right. So that was a lot. Mm-hmm. Would you say the Chiefs did? The Chiefs won. Okay. They crushed the Bears. And, Matt, I've got to know. Well, now they've got I got it. But the big news out of that game was not Patrick Mahomes. It was his teammate, Travis Kelsey, and Taylor Swift sitting next to his mom. Matt, what are your thoughts? I already told you. I I know. We talked about this on the phone last night. So uh, I just want to say about in, in, in regard to come on, to, Matt. The world wants to know what you all, think I already about said it. Taylor I already said Swift it, and Travis Kelsey. I already said the I Chiefs think... crushed the Bears. Well, now they've got bad blood. The end. <laughs> that's, that's all, all that needs to be said. That's all needs to be said. But uh, I just want to say to all the Alabama fans out there, Tua must have woken up this morning looking back on that 70 that he hung. Oh, man, I know. It must have felt like he was playing at Alabama again. Seriously? 70 points? That's Alabama versus random community college score right there. (laughs) Cupcake game? I don't know. I feel bad for Denver. That's uh, Alabama versus an online university. Yeah. For real, unbelievable, 70 to 20. Well, today is Monday, September the 25th. Happy to have you along with us to start the work week here on the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. It's 10 past. It's time for our weekly look at this week in Catholic history and our Catholic historian, Kevin Schmeising, joining us now for it. He's author of A Catholic Pilgrimage Through American History. Kevin, good morning. Good morning, Anna. So we are starting in 787 today, going back way back in history. The Second Council of Nicaea opens. Yeah, way back, the Second Council of Nicaea. So this was the seventh of the 21 ecumenical councils in the history of the church, and probably less famous than its older brother, the First Council of Nicaea, which condemned Arianism and gave us the Nicene Creed. But this one was pretty important in its own right for its condemnation of another heresy, iconoclasm. Nicaea was a major city in the Roman Empire. It's located in the region of Bithynia, now part of Turkey, on the Asian side of the Bosporus. At this time, prior to the Great Schism, Eastern Greek-speaking Christians were still a large part of the church, and this is where the controversy over icons erupted. In the early 8th century, the Byzantine emperor became convinced that veneration of icons was a form of idolatry and also an obstacle to the conversion of Muslims and Jews. So he and his successors forbade their use, and a period of sometimes violent conflict set in. Many bishops and monks defended their sacred images in their churches. One notable defender of icons was St. John Damascene. In 787, with a more sympathetic emperor in place, the Patriarch of Constantinople called a council to settle the issue. Pope Adrian I agreed to participate through a delegate. And on September 24th, this week, more than 300 bishops gathered in Nicaea. In seven sessions lasting until mid-October, the Council Fathers fully vindicated the veneration of icons, rightly understood. Here's what they said. It is proper to accord to them a fervent and reverent veneration, not, however, 
the veritable adoration, which, according to our faith, belongs to the divine being alone. For the honor accorded to the image passes over to, it, to its prototype, and whoever venerates the image venerates in it the reality of what is there represented. The iconoclastic movement had a resurgence, lasted another 50 years or so, but the decision of the Second Council of Nicaea did ultimately win out, as is evidenced in the fact that icons continue to be quite prominent in Eastern Christianity to this day. The Second Council of Nicaea this week in 787. Well, Kevin, now let's move along to the 19th century, and this sounds like a priest whose story we need to know, the death of an assassin turned priest. I thought, Anna, you might be intrigued by that teaser. So, yeah, yeah an assassin turned priest. Um, Father Joseph Clorivier was his name. Now, I, a quick note here. He's not to be confused with another Father Joseph de Clorivier who was also a French priest and virtually his contemporary. This other one was a Jesuit and the founder of a religious order, the Daughters of the Heart of Mary. Hmm. But the one we're looking at today is a completely different person. He was born in 1768 as Joseph Pierre Picot de Limolan, the Chevalier de Clorivier. As you might guess from the name, he was a member of the French aristocracy. He was an officer in the army under Louis XVI, and after the revolution, he became involved in the royalist opposition and was a chief figure in a plot to assassinate Napoleon in 1800. Needless to say, that plot failed. So he fled to the United States, where he simplified his name to Joseph Picot de Clorivier. Working in Savannah, Georgia, he achieved some notoriety as a portrait artist. Then in 1808, he discerned a vocation and entered the seminary in Baltimore, was ordained a priest in 1812. There were many French-speaking refugees from Haiti in Charleston, South Carolina, so that's where Father Clorivier was sent. But unfortunately, conflict arose in the parish. In the words of a summary on the Diocese of Charleston's website, it says, The Charleston schism pitted Republican Irish laymen who sought to adopt the centralized Protestant church structure against a French aristocratic former terrorist who upheld hierarchy <laughs> in law and in the church. The Charleston Schism was one instance in the larger episode known as the trustee controversy in early American Catholic history. So to bring peace to the parish, it was necessary for Father Clorivier to move on. So he did. He went to Georgetown, where he was appointed chaplain to the Visitation Nuns. They were happy to have him, in part because he brought considerable personal wealth to what was a then struggling convent and its path-breaking school for girls. He designed and funded the construction of several buildings and is recognized as Georgetown Visitation's second founder. That's where he was buried after he died this week, September 29th, 1826. Wow, wow, wow. So much going on in that story and so glad to hear about it from you. We've been talking to Kevin Schmeezing. You can find his book, A Catholic Pilgrimage Through American History, and his Catholic History Trek podcast linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Kevin, as always, appreciate the stories, man. Thank you. Thank you, Anna. Take care. You too. Thank you very much. All right. Let's take a look at weather across the nation now. Unsettled weather will likely continue across the southern part of the northeast as what is left of Ophelia continues to hang just off the New Jersey coastline. A high-pressure system will arrive in the Ohio, lower Ohio Valley, bringing with it a mix of clouds and sun. Conditions look to be pretty similar in the Carolinas. The large-scale disturbance that's marching across the central U.S. will split, bringing localized rain showers to the upper Midwest and showers and thunderstorms to the deep south. 
while sea breeze storms and showers will populate the Gulf Coast. Some strong to severe storms are possible in southern Texas. In the Pacific Northwest, showers will once again be around with mixed precipitation possible at the higher elevations. Otherwise, mostly dry and calm conditions expected for the southwest, the Great Basin, the Rockies, the Great Lakes, and the central Mississippi River Valley, thanks to drier air overhead. We got headlines coming up next. It's 16 past. We need your help. Hello, I'm Marianne Kuharski, Director of Pro-Life Across America. In my 30-plus years, I've never seen such a concerted attempt to silence our efforts and at a time when it's most needed. There's a powerful effort to prevent and block our pro-life messages. Our billboards, social media, and digital ads are all impacted. Unplanned pregnancies still happen. Our ads feature a hotline number connecting callers with more than 3,000 pregnancy support centers across America, offering alternatives to abortion, free ultrasound, and pregnancy help. Babies' lives are being saved. The need still exists. It really does. And Pro-Life Across America needs your help. To donate, please find us at prolifeacrossamerica.org. Did you know I could suck my thumb before I was born? Yep, we all started small. You start your day a better way by listening to the Sunrise Morning Show. Soon, you'll be able to watch as well. That's right. Starting September 25th, you'll be able to watch the Sunrise video stream on social media and at sunrisemorningshow.com. You'll also be able to see the faces of the regular Sunrise Morning Show family. Plus, you'll get to see what my hair looks like first thing in the morning. And whether I ever crack a smile at Matt's terrible jokes. Spoiler alert, she does. Sunrise goes to video September 25th. Tune in at sunrisemorningshow.com. Get an insider's look at the latest information from EWTN. Sign up for Wings, EWTN's weekly email newsletter. Get the latest information about live events, special features, and guests. Connect with EWTN on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Just go to EWTN.com and click on the Wings link to sign up. Don't miss a minute of all that's happening at EWTN. Get your Wings today. 18 past. We owe some of you an explanation, and we'll give it to you after the headline. Here's Anna Mitchell. Pope Francis is back in Rome after a short trip this weekend to Marseille, France, to attend the closing session of the Mediterranean meetings. During his Angelus address yesterday, the Holy Father marked the World Day of Migrants and Refugees, and the Writers Guild of America has reached a tentative agreement with Hollywood's top studios, which means a potential end to the ongoing writer's strike. Well, since we're talking about, you know, things that you can see on screens. Yes. Just want to put it out there. Uh, I probably should have, like, taken that promo out of the cart. Sunrise Morning Show was going to go to video September 25th. Actually, isn't today the 25th? Today is the 25th. Today's the 25th. Well, we don't have it up yet. A little glitchy. I don't know if you know this, but, like, Anna Mitchell and I, our training and uh, professional expertise is in radio. Yeah. So Okay, so there was some kind of a computer update that happened on Friday, and our video guy, Travis, actually came in to work on a Sunday yesterday to try to get things all situated for this morning and then found out that this update, like, basically wiped out all the stuff that he had saved. Well, I don't know that it really wiped it out, but it he doesn't settings. know where it is right now and has to call, you know... 
tech this is probably, support. This is and probably way tech more than support isn't know. open on Sundays. But so. I say all that to say. We're working on it. But bear in mind, we're radio people. You know, all these we're pretty sure like first foray into broadcasting is their own YouTube channel. Can I just say it? We're pretty like sure not, that this is this, backwards. this is a likely to start tomorrow. So okay. this is the goal. It was I, uh, just like we didn't he couldn't get tech support on on, you know. I made Sunday. sure there was no like you know, stuff in my teeth and everything. I know. I'm sorry, man. You're going to have to do it again tomorrow. Well, Gives you time to find some powder for that shiny head. My shiny head. Yeah. Yeah. We'll work it out. We'll work it out. We'll let you know, I assure you, when it's on <laughs> live. I'm Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home to Faith when Father Ken Geraci will share his new book, Spiritual Warfare and Divine Mercy. Alvin Louie will discuss the latest news from his parents' project, Courage is a Virtue. I will talk about the life of St. Padre Pio with frequent traffic and weather to get you home safely. That's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ the King. Support for Sacred Art Radio is from Elizabeth's New Life Center, serving at-risk pregnant women and their babies for more than 30 years. Join them for their South Partnership Celebration, October 5th and 6th, with inspirational keynote speakers Bishop Earl Fernandez from the Diocese of Columbus and Dr. Ashley Fernandez, Associate Director of the Center for Bioethics at OSU. More information at their website, enlc.life. That's enlc.life. Hi, I'm Patrick Cagney with Cagney Family Real Estate, Coldwell Banker. Proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. My father, Guy, sister, Mar, and I have more than 60 years of real estate experience to help you with the most important buying and selling decisions. 513-319-7312. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Fred Espenchide Plumbing. For plumbing and remodeling, Fred brings 55 years of experience to his work. Licensed in Ohio and Kentucky. Fred Espenchide, your pro-life plumber. 859-441-0950. 859-441-0950. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Is inflation making you feel frustrated and out of control when it comes to your expenses? We have a solution. It's Solidarity HealthShare. With Solidarity HealthShare, you control what doctors you go to and how much you spend with pricing options that start as low as $384 for families. Take control of your health care and your budget with Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. the Sunrise Morning Show, Ramona Trevino. She's Outreach Director at 40 Days for Life, a former abortion clinic director and author of Redeemed by Grace, A Catholic Woman's Journey to Planned Parenthood and Back. Ramona, good morning. Good morning. So you'll be speaking at the kickoff of the Fall 40 Days for Life campaign here in Cincinnati for our local audience that will be taking place Tuesday evening at 7 o'clock at the Planned Parenthood on Auburn Avenue and the entire fall prayer prayer campaign gets going outside abortion clinics around the country, around the world, starting on Wednesday, September 27th. So Ramona, for listeners not familiar with your story, can you talk Mm -hmm. about the role of 40 Days for Life in your conversion? Absolutely. So I uh, managed a referral facility in Sherman, Texas, uh, 
guess it's been about 12 years ago now that since I left. But, you know, Catholic Radio had an instrumental role as well, along with 40 Days for Life. So because I stumbled on Catholic Radio, I was aware that 40 Days, there was going to be a vigil outside of my facility. And I didn't know 40 Days for, you know, what the organization was about. I had no idea. I just heard through the advertisement that this is a peaceful and prayerful prayer vigil. And I think that's what really made a difference um, because we had always had a a presence of protesters outside of our facility uh, the time that I was there, but this was different. And so to know that there was going to be a peaceful and prayerful vigil, um, it really felt comforting to me. And because I had already, um, God was already working on my heart, uh, it just ended up being uh, an amazing moment of conversion and grace. And so, uh, as you can imagine, you know, having these people pray outside of your facility for 40 days and, you know, not only pray, but pray and fast, and then also specifically pray for me, because on the third day of the vigil, I walked out of my facility and asked for prayer specifically. Um, Just, I was looking for a different job. I wanted to leave Planned Parenthood. Um, but at the same time, I wasn't fully converted on really my role in, in my involvement with abortion, and I hadn't been fully converted on the issue entirely. Um, and so for me, it was really important that that grace, I, I just, you know, like when I think about it, I think, you know, I have this vision of just this floodgate opening and all of this grace being poured out uh, that allowed me to really see my role and my involvement in abortion and how I was complicit for all of that time. And uh, and then, of course, they were able to connect me with the national team. And uh, and the national team is – those on the national team were able to help me ultimately just kind of make take that leap of faith out of, out of Planned Parenthood. And you never looked back, did you? And I never looked back. <laughs> no. Wow. I mean, it's just such a beautiful story that you have. What would be your message to those who who pray outside of abortion clinics? And what would be your message to those who never have done this for Uh whatever reason? Maybe they're nervous or, you know, who knows? How would you encourage them? Well, I think for those who continue to pray outside of these facilities, the the message to them is to keep going and that this works, Uh, you know, we could look at this from a secular, you know, viewpoint, but but when we think about abortion, it truly is a spiritual battle that we're dealing with. Um, and I, I've been made aware of that through my own conversion and being on that side and them now being on this side and see, being able to see this as, as the spiritual battle that it is. And so that battle can only be won through prayer and fasting. And so I encourage those who continue to, to be out on the sidewalk um, to keep doing what they're doing in faith because we see um, God's hand and we see so many miracles with babies' lives being saved and hearts being changed and converted. And obviously the overturning of Roe is huge um, and, and facilities being shut down. And then not only are these facilities being shut down, but they're being shut down in states, in blue states, where, you know, abortion is, is very supported. And, and, uh, and so it's, it's, it's proof that this is, this is possible, um, even in the most difficult places. And then for those who are nervous, you know, I can tell you, I was nervous the first time I ever went out to pray on the sidewalk. Uh, and, uh, and it's okay to feel that way because it's a very real human emotion, but we have to kind of take a step back and say, okay, well, where's that fear and that, nervousness coming from and i always say it's from from the enemy right because 
you know, we are making a difference when we go out there. And so obviously, you know, our enemy doesn't want us to be out there um, because we do have such an impact when we are witnessing publicly. You know, we can all pray from our homes, and those prayers are obviously effective, but there's something more powerful and more effective when we are a witness and when we are out there and we can be seen. And in my case, I can tell you I would have never left Planned Parenthood had I not visibly seen people standing out on the sidewalk. You know, being able to actually go out there and reach out to a real person who was you know, the hands and feet of Christ out there on the sidewalk, physically there. Um, that made all the difference for me. Wow. I mean, you think about it, the, the nervousness might be on both sides, right? Somebody that's too nervous to walk out of a Planned Parenthood and needs that solidarity of somebody mm-hmm. outside of the clinic that can welcome them onto the other side of, of that door of the clinic, um, just really powerful thought there from Ramona Trevino. And if you're here in the Cincinnati area, you can join her for the kickoff at Planned Parenthood on Auburn Avenue, Tuesday evening at seven o'clock. Ramona, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. You bet. It was an honor. And of course, here in Ohio, we are uh, facing uh, quite an interesting, to put it mildly, November with a proposed state constitutional amendment that would enshrine abortion uh, in the Ohio State Constitution and um, just ask that that everyone across the nation pray. In fact, if you go to the Catholic Conference of Ohio, you can find there's a 54 day novena that has been going on and um, it's a different saint praying through their intercession every day. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. Pope Francis is back in Rome after a short trip this weekend to Marseille, France, to attend the closing session of the Mediterranean meetings. In his address, the Holy Father encouraged religious leaders and civil authorities to contribute to making the Mediterranean region a foundation of peace in the world, saying, Migration is not an emergency, but a reality of our times that requires wise foresight. During his Angelus address yesterday, the Holy Father marked the World Day of Migrants and Refugees. From Vatican Radio, Francesca Merlo reports. The theme for this year's celebration is free to choose whether to migrate or to stay, underscoring the critical need for migration to be a voluntary and dignified choice rather than a desperate necessity. He stressed that there should exist an equally essential right not to migrate, affirming the right of individuals to remain in their own lands while enjoying a life of dignity and fulfillment. The current global landscape is marred by suffering, conflict and the devastating impacts of the climate crisis, forcing countless people to abandon their homes and seek refuge elsewhere, said the Pope. He acknowledged this grim reality and called upon all individuals and nations to unite in solidarity and compassion, striving to create communities that are not only prepared but eager to welcome, support, guide and integrate those who arrive at the doors seeking refuge and solace. The Holy Father noted that this appeal resonates with the recent Mediterranean meetings held in Marseille over the last few days. 
During his participation in the Mediterranean meetings, Pope Francis engaged in extensive discussions and dialogues centered around the challenges and opportunities posed by migration, particularly in the Mediterranean region. The Mediterranean has historically been a melting pot of cultures and civilizations, Pope Francis stressed during the conference. In these challenging times, he said, let us embrace the spirit of empathy and unity, welcoming those who seek refuge with open hearts and open minds. Immigranti vanno accolti, protetti o accompagnati, promossi e integrati. I'm Francesca Merlo. Texas officials are announcing a new shelter to house migrants amid an ongoing surge at the border. During a weekend news conference, the mayor of El Paso said the city will open an additional shelter at the border that can hold roughly 400 people. Oscar Leeser said, quote, El Paso only has so many resources and we have come to a breaking point right now. And so we have to look at different resources, end quote. El Paso officials say roughly 2,000 people illegally cross the border each day seeking asylum. Ophelia has weakened after bringing heavy rain and gusty winds to the northeast over the weekend. More from Mark Mayfield. Forecasters say the post-tropical cyclone that made landfall in North Carolina Saturday will linger in the region Monday as it moves offshore. The storm brought down trees and left tens of thousands of customers without power. Some coastal communities were flooded out by the dangerous storm surge. States like Pennsylvania, New York, Connecticut, Rhode Island, and Massachusetts can expect rain through the start of the new work week. I'm Mark Mayfield. The House GOP conference is continuing negotiations to come up with a legislative plan to avert a government shutdown. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy says he is optimistic that some sort of deal will be worked out ahead of the September 30th deadline. The renewed push comes after two previous efforts to unite Republicans around a stopgap funding resolution failed. President Biden says he will be joining the United Auto Workers picket line. Brian Shook reports. Biden tweeted that he was going to Michigan Tuesday to stand in solidarity with the workers as the fight for a fair share of the value they helped create. Union workers say they want a 40 percent pay increase, cost of living adjustments and pensions for all workers. I'm Brian Shook. Looks like a tentative agreement between the Writers Guild of America and Hollywood's top studios could bring an end to the ongoing writers strike. The Guild released a statement yesterday saying the deal was made possible by the enduring solidarity of WGA members and extraordinary support of union siblings. The writers' walkout began more than 140 days ago, bringing the film and TV industry to a halt. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 past the hour. Family, please know that Sacred Heart Radio has never sold or shared our mailing list with anyone. So when you donate or sign up to receive our newsletters, be confident that Sacred Heart Radio will not sell or share your information with other organizations. Offering Catholic retreats based on Ignatian spirituality, the Jesuit Spiritual Center invites you to a weekend of prayer and renewal led by various retreat masters, including Father Michael Graham. Join others for a weekend of silence as you experience the great treasures of the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Register now at JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. That's JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. 
Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from R's Cafe and Meeting House, opening October 2nd, offering delicious varieties of coffee and fresh-baked goods, pastries, sandwiches, and soups. R's Cafe and Meeting House, 6988 North Dearborn Road in Guilford, Indiana. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this Monday, September the 25th. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air, online at skpha.com. Looks like we got another nice day today. Right now, temperatures in the lower 60s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, it'll be mostly cloudy to partly sunny today with a high of 78 degrees. Partly cloudy tonight with an overnight low of 59. Partly cloudy tomorrow with some isolated evening showers possible and high of 80 degrees. For the Miami Valley Dayton area, mostly cloudy skies today and a high of 76. Partly cloudy tonight with an overnight low of 59. Mostly cloudy tomorrow with a slight chance of a late afternoon shower and a high of 78 degrees. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. It's 37 minutes past the hour and you're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Anna Mitchell, joined now by Father Patrick Briscoe. He's the editor of our Sunday Visitor. Good morning, Father. Hey, Anna. Thanks for having me on today. I am so excited to have you on to talk about this because it is the buzz of the Catholic world the past few days. So a few days ago, Cardinal Timothy Dolan of New York put out a column in our Sunday Visitor with basically part of the results of these listening sessions that the Archdiocese of New York had been doing with the Synod on Synodality. And he writes that... One of the questions that he always asked was, how can we get people back to Sunday Mass? Why have so many of our folks stopped coming? Now, give us the the thumbnail description of the results that he got from asking that question, Father. Yeah, it was very interesting. Uh, The Cardinal said that according to their synodal listening sessions, you know, which he himself admits are not scientific, um, they, they, they face three, three major challenges. Uh, so the first was, um, the, the first we might say uh, was uh, anticipated and um, a kind of dispute about the fundamental nature of the liturgies. You had uh, people, uh, people who preferred more folk masses or even, even wilder things from times past. You had people that prefer more traditional expressions of the mass. He said the second um, the second reason was because people couldn't understand a priest or their parish had closed, perhaps, and, and so that that was sort of surprising. Uh, but third was because mass was too long. Mass was too long, and that that third reason I ha- I have to say was was quite surprising. And like you said, Anna, it's generated quite a bit of conversation. Okay, I. I have so many questions to ask you about this, Father, but the first one that I want to know is how did our Sunday visitor land this column? I mean, he had so many options as to where to publish this. How did you get him? Yeah, the Cardinal's been very generous to us, and we've we've picked up a few pieces from him lately that, that have been uh, – that, that have attracted attention. So 
So this is uh, this is part of a series, and uh, like I said, he's been uh, he's been quite quite generous to us, and we're we're very grateful for that. Do you have more coming? I mean, is there going to be more on this? Stay tuned. Ooh, I can't wait. Okay, well, the first thing that I want to ask you about everything that is in here, because he goes through sort of a, a litany of various. Uh, reasons and by the way, folks, if you haven't read this, it is really thought-provoking. All of the different things that he brings out, but I've got to ask the Dominican priest here. You know, Father, I've gone to mass countless times at the parish where you spent your novitiate, and I don't think I ever, even during a daily mass, got an eight to ten-minute homily from one of your confreres. What do you think about this idea of keeping the homily short? Yeah, I think it. I so uh, so that I'm I am myself conflicted about. Um, you know, I, I tend personally to be a, uh, on the briefer side. You know, I I I think there's something to the the old axiom that brevity is the better part of valor. But <laughs> I I do think that um, I do think that it's more. It's part of an it's part of a total approach to the liturgy, right? And I think what the cardinals identifying. Is that uh, is that a lot of times the homily is out of sync with the whole approach, yeah. you know? So if so, if you're in a parish that has a kind of grand approach to liturgy, and everyone knows that the mass at St. McGillicuddy's is over an hour, then it's the sort of thing that the community can handle. Mm-hmm. And I think that there are a lot of places where the where the liturgy has a more uh, or, or where there's a more minimalist approach to liturgy, where a longer homily is totally out of sync. Um, and I think that, and I think that's part of a reality of, of, of a community, and a priest himself cannot just impose something into that. And that there's something about the way a particular community has been formed, and that community's expectations that do dictate the priest's own approach to the liturgy. So, so I think that's part of the answer. Yeah, I mean, I do think that that is something that I notice myself when going to masses at different parishes is that sometimes you have this really long homily. And as Cardinal Dolan writes, um, the Eucharistic prayer can be an afterthought. You have this like 15, 20 minute homily and then you have Father just kind of powering through the shortest of the options of the Eucharistic prayer. Right, exactly, and that that for me is a is a is a pain point. Um, one place where we do a great job of this um, in the order is here at the House of Studies, um, where the where the preaching is robust, uh, but the the Sunday Mass is hardly ever over an hour, mm-hmm. and we nearly always use the first Eucharistic prayer, so it can be done. It can be done, and, and that's the one with all of the saints in it. Exactly. Yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah, wow. the longest of them, you know. <laughs> yes. Exactly, so, but it depends. It depends on you know, as he points out, all the other logistics of the mass. Um, you know, Gloria's that add that refrain where you repeat it. That that goes on. That goes on quite a bit. And mm-hmm. I've got plenty of complaints about some of these melodies. You know, that sound like Disney TV show introductions. You know, mm-hmm. um, so so I think uh, a, a more solemn approach to music doesn't necessarily mean a longer one, mm-hmm. because it's sometimes the more "Quote unquote accessible tunes, which are which are longer, and I think actually more more harmful to the liturgy fundamentally." Yeah, I'm going to read this paragraph. So, listeners, stick with me, and then, Father, I would really like to to get your thoughts on this part 
in particular. He says, the dismal stories the people shared with me reached litany length. Now they tell me mass starts with music rehearsal, then an obligatory greeting to those around you. By then, we're five minutes past when mass was supposed to start. The celebrant will usually give a lengthy introduction. The Gloria can exhaust the angelic choir to say nothing (laughs) of an unending sung responsorial psalm. The prayers of the faithful can go on forever with the final petition for the deceased added to the added to on the spot as some are dropping dead in front of us. Then we sit and wait a while for the collection and the offertory procession. The Lamb of God can reach the length of a baseball game. Often we add a reflection after communion with subsequent announcements. Don't forget the long list of thank yous for all those who had a part in Mass. God forbid we leave before all five verses of the closing hymn are sung. And then he goes on to lament the the mammoth homily from priests and deacons who ignore Pope Francis's admonition to keep homilies at eight to 10 minutes. And, you know, I was reading a lot of commentary on this particular part of Cardinal Dolan's column. And I I think I agree that this kind of goes toward like a performance on the part of of the lay faithful, particularly who um, who are very, you know, faithful in in wanting to serve during the liturgy but might be a a little too committed to their service in the liturgy. And it it just gets exaggerated to the point that uh, the laity are exalted more than God. Yes, I think that I think that can be a temptation. You know, um, with all respect to President Reagan, uh, who's a great man, um, I don't think the scariest words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. <laughs> I think the scariest words in the English language are, please be seated for the announcement. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that, uh, I, so I, I, I do think that there's a lot that just gets added to the mass that is not essential. And that's why I think that, that point about the Eucharistic prayer is a, is a really good one, um, because, of course, that's, that's the highlight of the Mass, where the Eucharist is confected, where the sacrifice of Christ on Calvary is made present for us anew. Um, that's what we're there to do. You know, as Fulton Sheen says, it's not the, alt, it's not the, um, it's not the uh, pulpit or the choir loft that are the focal points of Catholic worship. It's the altar. And so the, so the time where things are happening on the altar, that's the time that is important. And, and I don't think that, that many of our liturgies reflect that. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it takes longer for the, the extraordinary ministers of Holy Communion to go up, sanitize their hands, and receive communion themselves before... <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's right, then to distribute to the congregation. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there are so many things that... What do you think, Father? Like, just sitting down and rethinking and, and maybe being aware of the fact that some feelings are going to be hurt, um, but maybe this isn't what the congregation needs. I mean, you know? And I think there's something really, there's something really um, fundamental here, um, because it's not, these things are not just about the length of the Mass. Um, These things are about what makes the Mass uh, more transcendent. And I think a lot of the things that, that we've identified here are things that are part of the horizontal axis of the liturgy and not the vertical axis. And the vertical axis is, is what lifts us up to God. Now, we need these things that are on the horizontal axis. They're, they're, they're certainly part of 
just how the liturgy works. But when they're out of place, again, our, our liturgy can be shrunk, it can be stilted, and it can fail um, to, to raise hearts and minds to God. And, and I do think, I do think that, that that's what people see, you know, because there are plenty of young Catholics who um, are quite happy to go to a long liturgy. So, so I would suggest that it's not merely the question of the length of liturgy as such, but it's a question of what what really is fundamental to our worship. Um, because the, the again, these these are the kinds of things that, uh, that that make our liturgy stilted rather than exalted. Exactly, exactly. You have a God-centered liturgy that lasts longer than an hour, and somebody is caught up in that glory. Um, that's one thing. But when it's a bunch of the horizontal stuff that just drags the mass on, that's a whole other thing that might need to be revisited. Very interesting column, and I can't imagine that many of our listeners haven't read it already. But if you haven't read Cardinal Dolan's column, you can go to our sundayvisitor.com. You can find that linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Father, really appreciate your thoughts this morning. Thanks. Hey, thanks so much for having me on, Anna. God bless. You too, Father. Thank you. All right, it's 12 till. We're back right after this. The new feature film, Mother Teresa and Me, sponsored by Fathom Events, is in theaters Thursday, October 5th. Mother Teresa and Me weaves together the stories of two women, Mother Teresa, who served the poor with love amidst her dark night of the soul, and Kavita, a young woman who is searching for love while struggling with her unexpected pregnancy. Mother Teresa and Me, in theaters Thursday, October 5th. More information at fathomevents.com. That's fathomevents.com. Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show, where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family-owned business for over 75 years, manufacturing and repairing corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming. And your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonricemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's sonricemorningshow.com. Hey Alexa, how many ways can I get EWTN? You can get EWTN on television, via cable and satellite, on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire, and Google Play. You can get EWTN radio in your car, on Sirius XM Channel 130, and on the go, on any mobile device with the EWTN app. And here's the best news. Now you can get EWTN's great programming on me. I'm spiritual, but do I have to be religious? Join me, Dr. David Andrews, as we answer your questions on Call to Communion today at 2 p.m. Eastern. Now, back to the Sunrise Morning Show. Nine till, here's Anna with headlines. Pope Francis is back in Rome after a short trip over the weekend to Marseille, France, to attend the closing session of the Mediterranean meetings. 
During his Angeles address yesterday, Pope Francis marked the World Day of Migrants and Refugees. And Ophelia has weakened after bringing heavy rain and gusty winds to the northeast over the weekend. So speaking of over the weekend, Anna Mitchell, right after the Sunrise Morning Show on Friday, I left and went up to Emmitsburg to the Mother Seton Shrine where they had a dedication Mm -hmm. of their new museum. And uh, if you've never been up there, you need to go up there. Anna Mitchell, I need to get you out here for yeah, this. Yeah, I need to go to that. You're going to be actually a little bit surprised at how how taken aback you are, <laughs> are by the situation. Uh, but they revamped the museum. Uh, they got some new things in that came from the Mother House in New York, a couple things from uh, the Mother House in Cincinnati. And they're all in Emmitsburg now. Not all of them, but a lot of things are there. But they redid the museum. Um, they've got a couple of really cool things uh, but one of the things that I was super excited about is they have a whole room in the museum, a whole exhibit basically dedicated to her conversion. Uh, previously, they just kind of had all of her stuff sort of in one, you know, kind of major space. But they've got this whole room dedicated to her conversion. And in it, it's got stuff like, you know, her old dancing shoes from her socialite days and her wedding ring and some of those things. But we had talked last week about how they had some copies of her old devotional books. Right. Including – um Introduction to the Devout Life by St. Francis de Sales, uh, a book of remembrances, which is kind of like a journal where she, you know, kind of wrote diary entries about people who had passed on. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, wow. They also had her copy of Imitation of Christ. Oh. So these are all under glass, but they put in these like interactive exhibits and they scanned a bunch of the pages in. Oh, cool. And so you can just like swipe over. And of course, I think I mentioned last time the issue is is that in colonial cursive, I can't tell what any of this stuff says. Well, you can click on little dots on the thing <laughs> and it'll expand it and then sort of do a transcription of we know you can't read this, but here's what it says. Oh, cool. So I looked at some of that stuff and I can't share too much of it because we've only got so much time. But I was looking in her book of dear remembrances. And as you know, Anna Mitchell. I come from an evangelical background, specifically more in the the tradition of Wesleyan holiness. You know, John Wesley, who founded the Methodists, and there's all kinds of offshoots. I was Nazarene, most specifically, for a while. But I'm looking in one of her journal entries in her book of remembrances, and she's talking about uh, the passing of her uncle, William Bailey. In it, she's quoting a Charles Wesley hymn. I was like, mm. whoa, how cool is this that St. Elizabeth is quoting a Methodist hymn writer, which she would have naturally done because she grew up Episcopalian. Wow. At any rate, that was pretty cool. But there was other cool stuff. So they had the mass uh, with Archbishop Laurie, um, uh, ribbon cutting. I went to the gift shop and got some Mother Seton socks, all kinds of fun stuff. But on the way out, I was able to run into and meet and get my picture taken with. And I'm going to put this up on the um, on the website with a lady named Ann O'Neill. So I don't know if you know who that is, um, but she was four years old, and it was Holy Saturday. Her parents rushed her to a hospital in Baltimore. She had lymphatic leukemia. Medication wasn't working. They basically sent her home to hospice. Uh, So a lot of people started praying, and Anne's mother's like, you know what? I'm going to drive to Emmitsburg. And so they took their four-year-old daughter with leukemia that nobody could do anything about to Mother Seton's relics. And a couple days later, the doctors checked her out and she was completely healed. Mm. And I met St. Elizabeth Ann Seton's second miracle. 
Wow. Like, I don't know about you. Like, I've met a lot of miracles. I've, you know, been on the fringes of a few. I've mm-hmm. witnessed a few things that I would call a miracle. But I've never been in the presence of a miracle of with like paperwork. actual confirmed. A miracle that has paperwork. Oh, my gosh. Did you talk to her? Yeah, just very briefly. I mean, she was, you know, kind of, you know, demure about it. I'm sure she's probably been asked about being a miracle, you know, quite a bit. Uh, if you go to the exhibit, they got scanned in like the 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 sort of case from the University of Maryland where they sort of laid out the specifics of things. And they actually have this for all three of the miracles connected with, with Mother Seton. Wow. So you can sort of like read through the technical documents. You, they actually have the petition that was presented for her canonization, like all the That's people saying so you need cool. to check this out. Wow. But I met a miracle. I mean, everyone you meet is a miracle, Anna Mitchell. Well, Make no course. mistake. But some people got paperwork. Wow. I'll so post a picture. She was the miracle that led to the canonization. Can you imagine? Like, And she's still around. That wasn't that long ago. And she was wow. four. Wow. She brought up the gifts at Mass. I'm like, dude. <laughs> she's making the offering. <laughs> I got I to gotta meet this lady. That's incredible. Anyway, you should go check it out. Seatonshrine.org. Seatonshrine.org. Dot org. Really, really cool new, new spot they've got up there that just got dedicated over the weekend. we got another full hour of the Sunrise Morning Show coming up here after the break. It's three minutes before the hour. Sacred Heart Radio is your local Catholic station and your source for news from the Catholic perspective. SacredHeartRadio.com is where you can find and share information on issues facing Ohio in November that are so important to the pro-life community. And that's not to mention our commitment to prayer. At SacredHeartRadio.com, you'll find resources and events to help you pray for a culture of life. So please visit SacredHeartRadio.com, your local source for pro-life information and prayer. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Sunset Janitorial Supply a Catholic family business supplying the tri-state cleaning industry with commercial cleaning supplies, personal hygiene, equipment, and even machine repair. Free delivery to your business. More information at sunsetjanitorialsupply.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoting Realtors. Equipped with the latest technology and market knowledge, Hoting Realtors can make the buying and selling process easier. 513-451-4800 and Hoting.com. Support for Sacred Art Radios from Elizabeth's New Life Center, serving at-risk pregnant women and their babies for more than 30 years. Join them for their South Partnership Celebration, October 5th and 6th, with inspirational keynote speakers, Bishop Earl Fernandez from the Diocese of Columbus and Dr. Ashley Fernandez, Associate Director of the Center for Bioethics at OSU. More information at their website, enlc.life. That's enlc.life. When you donate your car to St. Vincent de Paul of Cincinnati, you are showing your care by making it a vehicle for hope to transform lives. Your donation of a car, truck, or RV helps provide basic needs to struggling neighbors, and they'll pick it up for free. Find out more at 421care.org. For Catholics, being united with God for eternity is the goal of earthly life. A Catholic cemetery is sacred because it holds our bodies, once temples of the Holy Spirit, until the Lord comes again. The Archdiocese of Cincinnati has consecrated Gate of Heaven Catholic Cemetery to provide this ministry and remind us that life is not ended, but changed. 
Today, you can ensure that you and your loved ones are interred in accordance with your faith. Call 513-489-0300 or visit gateofheaven.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Twin Dental of Cincinnati. Since 1986, twin brothers, doctors David and Michael Rothen, have been providing superior dental care in a relaxed and comfortable setting for the entire family. The twin dental doctors utilize advanced dentistry techniques from sedation to implants and the latest in cosmetic options to preserve and beautify smiles. Twin Dental, located just off the I-275 exit at Hamilton Avenue. For a complimentary evaluation, 513-825-6111 and online at twindental.com. This is Father Benedict Kroll, the Director of Mission Advancement for the Angelicum in Rome. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. Monday, the 25th of September. Let's begin with a prayer uh, written by St. Boniface in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Eternal God, the refuge and help of all your children, we praise you for all you have given us, for all you have done for us, for all that you are to us. In our weakness, you are strength. In our darkness, you are light. In our sorrow, you are comfort and peace. We cannot number your blessings. We cannot declare your love. For all your blessings, we bless you. May we live as in your presence and love the things that you love and serve you in our daily lives. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. And while we're at it, St. Boniface, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. Thank you for being along here on a Monday morning. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lachman at the controls. And up this hour, Teresa Tamio is going to be joining us from EWTN and Ave Maria Radio's Catholic Connection. Uh, we'll also check in with Brendan Hodge from The Pillar to continue our series on what Dorothy L. Sayers had to say about theology in classical education. We will talk to, since I mentioned St. Boniface on the show, we'll mention, you know, who knows, maybe a future St. Boniface, Father Boniface Hicks, with more thoughts on personal prayer. And then Stephanie Mann has more stories of the English martyrs to share with us. So please do stay with us if you can. Right now, it is two minutes past. News of service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. Pope Francis is back in Rome after a short trip this weekend to Marseille, France, to attend the closing session of the Mediterranean meetings. In his address, he encouraged religious leaders and civil authorities to contribute to making the Mediterranean region a foundation of peace in the world, saying migration is not an emergency, but a reality of our times requiring wise forethought. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini has more. The Pope articulated his long reflection around three aspects that characterize the southern French city, the sea, the port and the lighthouse. He stressed the need for the Mediterranean region to rediscover its historic vocation to be a place of encounter amidst today's sea of conflicts and resurgent belligerent nationalisms. 
To make peace possible, Pope Francis remarked, we must listen to the cry of the poor as Jesus did on the banks of the Sea of Galilee. Among them today, the thousands of migrants losing their lives in the Mediterranean. In this regard, the Pope questioned the narrative of an invasion and of an emergency, remarking that the phenomenon of migration is a reality of our times that must be governed with wise foresight. The Pope therefore reiterated that in the face of the scourge of the exploitation of human beings, the solution is not to reject, but to ensure a fair number of legal and regular entrances. He further highlighted the crucial importance of integrating migrants in the hosting countries, which he warned does not mean assimilation. Pope Francis went on to recall the duty of all Christians to witness the gospel of charity and fraternity towards the stranger. Referring to the last image of the lighthouse, he underscored the need for the Mediterranean churches of finding cooperative ways forward and also pointed to the important role of young people, highlighting once again the crucial importance of education in promoting a culture of encounter. Finally, Pope Francis called for new Mediterranean theology that unites generations and promotes ecumenical and interreligious dialogue to prevent the misuse of religion by fundamentalists. I am Lisa Zengarini. During his Angelus address yesterday, Pope Francis marked the World Day of Migrants and Refugees. His theme this year was focused on the right not to migrate. He said the right to migrate, a fundamental human right, has for many become an obligation driven by dire circumstances, saying, quote, the current global landscape is marred by suffering, conflict, and the devastating impacts of the climate crisis, forcing countless people to abandon their homes and seek refuge elsewhere, end quote. He said there needs to exist an equally essential right not to migrate for people to remain in their homelands, enjoying a life of dignity. In Washington, the House GOP conference is continuing negotiations to come up with a legislative plan to avert a government shutdown. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy says he's optimistic that some sort of deal will be worked out ahead of the September 30th deadline. The renewed push comes after two previous efforts to unite Republicans around a stopgap funding resolution after a stopgap funding resolution failed. GOP leaders are scrambling to try to pass Four of their full-year funding bills this week before making another attempt at a short-term measure to keep the government running. President Biden says he's set to join the United Auto Workers picket line this week. He'll travel to Michigan Tuesday to, quote, stand in solidarity with the men and women of the UAW as they fight for a fair share of the value they helped create, end quote. This comes as the union recently expanded its strike to 20 states after no substantial progress was made with the big three automakers on a new contract. The Writers Guild of America, meanwhile, has reached a tentative agreement with Hollywood's top studios that could end the ongoing writers strike. Mark Mayfield has a story. On Sunday evening, the Guild released a statement saying the deal was made possible by the enduring solidarity of WGA members and extraordinary support of our union siblings. This tentative agreement doesn't guarantee an end to the strike. Union members still need to formally vote to end the walkout, and actors will continue their strike until the SAG after union also reaches a deal with studios. I'm Mark Mayfield. And the Bengals have updated the status of their star quarterback ahead of the Monday night football showdown. Joe Burrow is listed as questionable 
for the Week 3 matchup against the Los Angeles Rams in Cincinnati tonight. The QB has been dealing with a calf injury, which he aggravated against the team's Week 2 loss against the Baltimore Ravens. The number one overall pick in the 2020 draft was seen taking red zone drills on Saturday but had a compression sleeve on his right leg. Jake Browning would get his first career start at quarterback if Burrow misses the game. So, I mean... What do you think, Matt? Is this like... Is this... Are they just trying to kind of trick the Rams into kind of... I don't think they're trying to trick the Rams. No. I think when you hurt your leg, it's hard to play. I'm no expert. (laughs) But uh, you say McCarron might get the start? No. Who might get the start? Jake Browning. Um, I don't even know. I don't even know who that is, Anna Mitchell. Well, it would be his first start at quarterback. I look forward to finding out. I know they signed A.J. McCarron to the practice squad, but, you know, Anna Mitchell, the other thing that I've been focusing on this week is we're in a hardcore last week of the regular season of baseball. Oh, Matt. And the wild card is shaping up. Our Reds may not make it. Matt, I was watching the replay of Joey Votto's Joey Votto could could be his last ever home game. And I People call him a national treasure. He's from Canada. He's a continental treasure, Anna Mitchell. I almost started crying. I did. I was weeping openly. My family thought I was insane. I know. You're you're crying a little bit right now, yeah, aren't you? Yeah, I'm like the idea that Joey Votto would not be with the Reds next year, but with a Teresa Tamio knows a little bit about this because I think this might be Miguel Cabrera's last season in Detroit, too. Is it is it Teresa? Is he winding things down or do you know? I don't know, you know, because I don't follow sports too much, so I guess I could yell down the hall to Dominic to see if he knew, but I really don't She's know. also a Yankees <laughs> fan, Matt. That's true. Yeah, well, she, What she remembers then uh, is the Derek Jeter final world tour where everybody knew he was retiring all year and they got, like, standing ovations everywhere he went, you know? So... Grow up I do remember player. that. And I also remember years ago I had a favorite player, Bucky Dent. You remember him? Your team I remember, remember Bucky, Bucky Dent. Well, I mean, I don't remember yeah. him. Right. I know who Bucky Dent is. Okay, good. Well, you're, you're I know who all the weird baseball players' names are. They were all named like Bucky and Spanky and, you know, half And our gang. And... <laughs> That's basically what they were. They were all Alpha. our gang names. But, uh, but yeah. Well, Teresa, which – are, are you like in the United States right? I, I know I have no, no idea where you've we're been actually, for the past. You know, we're in Italy. We, we're here till um, November, till Thanksgiving. I'm flying back no, for no, a conference till November. Yeah. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. We're working over here. Um, so I'm doing the show from here, and then I've got two pilgrimages coming up. One with Kelly Walquist and Wine. That's in October. And then right after that, we have one uh, that Deacon Dom and I do every year, Club of Dolce Fide. So instead of going back and forth and back and forth, we're just going to hang out. Now that Dom is, uh, you know, retired, it's a little bit easier. And, of course, because we have the Internet, the show can go on, thanks be to wow. God. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. You stay over there that long, you might learn the language. I'm trying. I'm picking it up ever so slowly. My father, I think, would be, well, I wouldn't say proud because, I, I you know, he tried to teach me when I was growing up. So I was nothing part of it. It was no big deal to me then. But now... I'm slowly learning at mass yesterday. I had they they, they print a little um, guide every week and with the with the readings. And so I have my Magnificat and I have my little guide that they have at the mass. And so I try to read along with it and then listen and slowly learning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, very cool. Well, so what have been some of the cool? I mean, 
very often if you're only spending I mean, what do I know? I've never been to Italy at all. But when you're spending kind of a shorter time and a lot of that time is spent working with pilgrims and that sort of thing, I mean, mm-hmm. there's there's things you can do and things you can see. But with a little bit more extended time, I mean, has that allowed for a little bit more sort of a devotional approach to some of this stuff? Yeah, it really does. And, and one of the things that we've tried to build into our pilgrimages with that in mind is some extra downtime for people. And at first they say, well, you know, I don't want time. I want to see everything, everything, everything. But then what they don't realize is when they see these beautiful places and when you experience Eucharistic miracles, we actually, for our anniversary last week, we were in a very beautiful place, a gorgeous little mountaintop retreat that was like so affordable. I couldn't even believe it. It was like, I mean, literally it was like a regular hotel in the United States. This place was amazing. But it was by Kasha and Norcha and some of these places that house some of the most amazing uh, Catholic sites, including Kasha, of course, is home to St. Rita, but also a Eucharistic miracle there. And so Dominic had not been to Kasha. I had been to Kasha before, but I had not experienced that Eucharistic miracle. So it gave us a lot of time. We went to Mass there went downstairs in the lower chapel to experience the Eucharistic miracle and really learn more about it. And that, I think, is the most important thing, is when you come on pilgrimage, and I'm always saying this to our pilgrims, and I just sent out another e-blast to them two weeks ago about La Dolce Far Niente, the sweetness of doing nothing, that it's so important to allow yourself that time. And if you're if you're going on a trip where they don't build in that time, you're not going to get the most out of it. It's so overwhelming. There's so much to see. You need to just sit back and just say, okay. And we, we try to do that all the time, and we're here and really spend this extra time in getting to know the saints better, spending more time praying at their tombs, saying the rosary in these various spots. So, yeah, it's an incredible experience if you have the time to do it. If you're coming over just for, you know, a week or two weeks, build in a day of doing nothing, at least a day, if not more. I mean, it sounds like a pretty great plan to me. So I could use a day or so of, of nothing. Um, well, but- you, have to, you have to come join us. I got to come over there at some point. You know, I have a question for you. And this sure. has just occurred to me while while we were talking. Uh, you know, I work with at the Coming Home Network, all kinds of people who come into the church from other backgrounds. And a big part of their discovery is the reality of the Eucharist and uh, mm-hmm. you know, Christ's real presence. And I've found that people who are and this is actually also the case with me. Um, I appreciate Eucharistic miracles, but I'm not like a Eucharistic miracle guy who's like, mm-hmm. you know, because. To me, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around the one that happens on every single altar every time Mass exactly. is said. Yeah. And the, but the people I know who are really inspired and excited and revitalized by learning about Eucharistic miracles are usually people who've been receiving communion their whole life. That's in my experience because it mm-hmm. shows them this thing that they've been experiencing all this time has this dimension they have yet to recognize. I, I wonder if that's been your case, uh, been the case in your experience, or if this is just some weird thing that I'm noticing on my end. No, I, I think that's a great point, and that's absolutely true. And also, we've seen many people return to the Catholic faith. Maybe they've come with a friend or a family member because they want to see Italy. You know, a lot of people who come on our trips may not necessarily be you know, uber-faithful or dedicated Catholics, but everyone wants to come to Italy because of its sheer beauty. And the churches, even if you're not religious, I mean, how many people go to the Vatican who are art students or art officiandos and just want to see the Pieta and the Sistine Chapel and Vatican museums? So it's quite amazing what happens. And I would say probably in almost in every pilgrimage that we've had, and I've been, I don't know how many of them now, probably close to three or four dozen, but there has been a person who's either fallen away from the faith and come back to it as we started again on that journey. We've seen people totally revert or convert right after the pilgrimage. So it's, it's pretty phenomenal. And especially for, as you said, um, Catholics, you know, cradle Catholics grew up, you know, going to Mass 
and then it's explained to them by a good spiritual director that we always have. There's there's something that finally connects. But even for, for me and Deacon Dom to go to see this Eucharistic miracle that we hadn't seen before in Kasha, it was incredible. And just to sit there and say, okay, this is God. You are looking at God. I mean, we know that instinctively in the way we're raised in the Catholic faith. But to really see these miracles, I think, brings the point home even more. It's phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. It's a, it's a window into the reality that you don't usually get to see, right? It's a yeah. I mean, that's yeah. the, the 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 real miracle is that we're able to see it. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of right. the the whole point of all this. Um, but man, this is this is going to be really cool getting uh, weekly updates from Italy. Between now and November. Yeah, no, so, seriously. So. Any any questions, let me know because, I, I mean, I, I love talking about it. And especially, for example, this, this Eucharistic miracle. People can look it up. Just look up Eucharistic miracle of Kasha. It actually did not happen in Kasha. It actually happened in Siena because the priest who actually heard the confession of the priest, who basically his, his uh, lackadaisical approach to the Eucharist caused this, this miracle to happen, actually, because God was saying, hello, it's me. Mm. Long story short, this priest was from Siena, was based in Siena, but was actually the one who, who um, took it to the Pope, was actually from Kasha. So that's why it's housed there along with, he was he is beatified, this particular priest, Father Simone, and his relics are right below the Eucharistic miracle. It's an amazing story where there was another priest who was going to give communion to a sick person, and instead of taking, um, you know, really taking it seriously and carrying the Eucharist correctly in the pics, he stuck it in his bravery, and when he got to the home of the person to whom he was ministering, the Eucharist had blood on the pages of the bravery. So you actually see wow. those pages that are housed in this beautiful monstrance in Kasha. And they explain the connection with the blood. All the miracles that have happened, that, that if you're familiar with them, Lanciano, and of course, Corpus hey, This Christi was Carlo Acutis' great gift to the church, right? Was chronicling yeah. a bunch of these things. So, yeah, and, yeah, and you can still find his to the shroud. Yeah, yeah uh, absolutely. You, to, you can go up Carlo Acutis' uh, website and find <laughs> some of those things that he's researched and and collected on these Eucharistic miracles. Teresa Tamio, have a wonderful day. Thanks. Talk to you later. Bye. Of course, Teresa hosts Catholic Connection, which you hear daily on EWTN Radio. Back with headlines after this, it's 17 past. It's not over. Unplanned pregnancies still happen. I'm Marianne Koharski, director of Pro-Life Across America. In my 30-plus years, I've never seen such a concerted attempt to silence our efforts and at a time when it's most needed. There's a powerful effort to prevent and block our pro-life messages. Our billboards, social media, and digital ads are all impacted. Our messages feature a hotline number connecting callers with more than 3,000 pregnancy support centers across America, offering alternatives to abortion, free ultrasound, and pregnancy assistance. Babies' lives are being saved. The need still exists. It really does. And Pro-Life Across America needs your help. Please find us at ProLifeAcrossAmerica.org. Did you know I could suck my thumb before I was born? Yep, we all started small. Pro-Life Across America. It's back to school time and back to a busier morning routine. If you're going to need some help to get going, get yourself a few bags of Mystic Monk coffee. And when you go to the Mystic Monk site through the link you find at sunrisemorningshow.com, you'll give us a boost with a commission on your purchase. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and perhaps a water bottle for your student. All available in our online store. Find our store and link to Mystic Monk coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. What's stopping you 
from becoming a Catholic. Why can't women become priests? I don't understand why I have to earn salvation. How is it possible that God created everything? Why do I need to confess my sins to why a priest? Why is Catholic Church so unwilling to recognize? Look, Catholic Church is too rich. Catholics worship Mary and our community. As far as I'm concerned, all religions are equal. You are called to communion with Dr. David Anders. Today, 2 p.m. Eastern, on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. 19 past. Here's Anna with headlines. Pope Francis is back in Rome after a short trip this weekend to Marseille, France, to attend the closing session of the Mediterranean meetings. The Holy Father marked the World Day of Migrants and Refugees yesterday during his Angelus address. And the Writers Guild of America has reached a tentative agreement with Hollywood's top studios to potentially end the ongoing writer's strike. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Anna Mitchell, one of the funny things that I thought that you'd appreciate. Uh, I was at the Seton Shrine, the St. Elizabeth Ann Seton Shrine in Emmitsburg for their uh, blessing and dedication of their new museum and visitor center mm-hmm. over the weekend. You can check it out at setonshrine.org. Uh, but they had the ribbon cutting ceremony where they had uh, people who were, you know, some of the big donors and fundraisers. Archbishop Laurie was there. They had the construction crew and some others. And they gave instructions because, I mean, I don't know, but you, I don't go to a lot of ribbon cuttings. I don't think a lot of people do. Right. But they passed out the, the scissors and were telling people kind of how to hold them so that everybody could cut at the same time and get pieces of banners. But the guy giving the instructions in the microphone repeatedly, while surrounded by religious, professed religious, kept on accidentally saying sisters instead of scissors. <laughs> says, so take the sisters in your one hand. No, I mean scissors. It happened like two or three times. That's so good. Love it. So, uh, and I was like, I can identify with that guy because I do live radio. Mm-hmm. I say the thing I don't mean to say all all, oh all the time. Oh my gosh, I know, right? So there you go. But you can find a picture of some of that stuff on my Twitter feed and a picture of the second miracle of Mother Seton on our Facebook page. It's 21 past. In this crazy world, where can Catholics go with their hard-earned money and not support businesses that go against our faith? Check out the Angels List on SacredHeartRadio.com. It's a list of businesses owned and operated by our Catholic brothers and sisters who underwrite Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. And if you'd like to get your business on the Angels List, email me, Leah, at SacredHeartRadio.com. That's Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. Wimberg Landscaping, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, has been beautifying properties for over 40 years. Wimberg offers professional one-stop landscaping services from initial design and installation of all plant materials and hardscapes to ongoing maintenance, including lawn service, leaf and snow removal. Wimberg Landscaping, 513-271-2332 or on the web at wimberglandscaping.com. That's wimberglandscaping.com. Why wait in endless lines at the pharmacy when Brozart Pharmacy, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can fill your prescriptions in a timely manner with high quality. Brozart Pharmacy, fast, friendly service without the wait at brozartpharmacy.com. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. Diamond and CBN are the most advanced cutting tools because they're the hardest materials known. These enable you to machine three to eight times faster compared to carbide, while reducing downtime for tool changes by 90%. Improve your productivity when machining hard, cast, and powdered metals or difficult-to-machine materials. Find out more at theabrasiveone.com. That's the number one, 
theabrasiveone.com. Working to see the culture of life prevail in the Miami Valley, Dayton Right to Life is here to protect God's gift of life through law, education, and community action, from fertilization to natural death. Find Dayton Right to Life online at DaytonLife.org. That's DaytonLife.org. Twenty-three minutes past the hour, and you're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Happy to have you along with us on a Monday morning. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Brendan Hodge. He is Darwin from the Darwin Catholic Blog. He's author of If You Can Get It, a novel from Ignatius Press, and is a contributing editor to The Pillar. Brendan, welcome back. Good morning. Great to be on with you. It is great to have you back. And we are continuing our series discussing the thoughts of Dorothy L. Sayers on classical education. We've been talking about sort of the basic subjects that make up the the foundational aspect of this type of education. So we've covered grammar and Latin. We've covered literature, history, geography, science and math. And now we are going to talk about theology. Now, what would make up sort of the grammar of theology? The grammar of each subject is its basic building, basic building blocks. And as Sayers looks at this, there are really two elements. One is, in a sense, similar to what we thought about with history and with literature, in that children need to learn the basic story of the relationship between God and humanity. And for us, that is the story of God's relationship with humanity as we learn it in the Bible. So a lot of what children will be learning early on are Bible stories and the history of salvation from the Gospels. But they would be learning it specifically within the context of not just random parables and Gospel stories, but the way that each of these start to fit together into an overall narrative of how God reached out to fallen humanity and brought humanity to himself through Christ. So those start to fit together into an overall picture, like the pieces of a mosaic, and that gives the structure to that grammar that she's talking about. And then, of course, they're just sort of the basic blocks of creed, common prayers, parts of the Mass, and so on. Brendan, I... I'm hoping to get your thoughts on this, but I have to say these are honestly a lot more advanced than I learned in the early years of of religion class in in grade school. Well, I mean, you and I grew up in the ages of uh, collages and felt banners, so I I struggle a little bit with what exactly we learned outside my family home in the early uh, religion class in grade school regardless. But I I think that a lot of this often really does have to do with the structure more than the pieces. I mean, I think that, especially through math, but also through religion class, one of the things that I did pick up pretty well was a lot of Bible stories and stories about that Jesus told and all those pieces. But what you didn't get so much was any sense of how those fit together. So I think that providing that structure, which is just that little bit of instruction that helps students understand how this fits together, that Jesus was not just a nice man who told a lot of great memorable stories, but that all of these were a very specific point. And so 
Uh, it's not just Noah and the animals, but what does Noah and the animals tell us about God's relationship with man? It's not just Adam and Eve in the garden or the prodigal son coming home, but all of these very clearly fit into the story of God and humanity. And I think that that's often a little bit more what we be missing when we take a completely storybook approach mm-hmm. is that kids get the stories, but they see them kind of like they see a lot of the other stories they hear. So, I mean, as, as an adult, the real tragedy is if you remember the story of the prodigal son and you remember the story of Noah, but you remember them kind of like you remember Sleeping Beauty and Hansel and Gretel as, Mm-hmm. cute stories that have an inspiring ending, but that don't fit together to tell you anything other than that that was a nice story that you heard from your mom or your teacher. It's a and really that's the point when point. people... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, one of the big risks in America at this time is that so many people don't have beyond like a, a second grade or, or, you know, maybe with confirmation an eighth grade ed- religious education because that's as far as we go and we never get that broader structure. And I'm hoping you can talk about this as well, because I'm finding it in the lives of my own children that are are getting um, more of what you're describing here at their Catholic school. And I know that um, in in your family focusing on this, that children of a young age actually can grasp onto these things. This is not beyond their capabilities. Yeah, I, I often the way that they first asking about it, start asking about it is a little bit immature like uh my nine-year-old the other day was just asking questions about why was that noah didn't bring the dinosaurs on the ark with him and it can seem <laughs> a funny question but it's actually i mean these are really important things to understand because mm-hmm. it, it took humanity a long time to figure out this question of how is it that on the one hand deep time and the the things that we're starting to understand about science and the history of uh, nature here on earth, how does that fit together with the Bible as a way that God communicated to us the relationship between himself and humanity? Mm-hmm. And the answer is neither that the story of Noah is a complete myth, and we can treat it like the stories of the Greek gods, nor is it necessarily that it's literally true, and it means that this took place 5,000 years ago, and Noah took exactly two buffalo and two camels onto a ship, and that's why those species exist and Diplodocus does not. Yeah. So just quickly, Brendan, then how do we build on these basics as students get older? So as Sayer sees it, the grammar provides you with the foundation, which then allows students to both wrestle with this logically, and that's kind of more an apologetic stage of theology, and then be able to start to express themselves and make a statement of faith that is the rhetorical phase where they are truly owning and expressing their faith yeah. awesome we've been talking to brendan hodge and you can uh, read more about dorothy l sayer's thoughts on classical education over at his blog darwincatholic.blogspot.com linked at sunrisemorningshow.com brendan thanks thank you all right it's half past the hour now on the sunrise morning show it's time for news Francis is back in Rome after a short weekend trip to Marseille, France, to to attend the closing session of the Mediterranean meetings. In his address, the Holy Father encouraged religious leaders and civil authorities to contribute to making the Mediterranean region a foundation of peace in the world, saying, Migration is not an emergency, but a reality of our times that requires wise forethought.
During his Angelus address yesterday, the Holy Father marked the World Day of Migrants and Refugees. From Vatican Radio, Francesca Merlo reports. The theme for this year's celebration is free to choose whether to migrate or to stay underscoring the critical need for migration to be a voluntary and dignified choice rather than a desperate necessity. He stressed that there should exist an equally essential right not to migrate, affirming the right of individuals to remain in their own lands while enjoying a life of dignity and fulfilment. The current global landscape is marred by suffering, conflict and the devastating impacts of the climate crisis, forcing countless people to abandon their homes and seek refuge elsewhere, said the Pope. He acknowledged this grim reality and called upon all individuals and nations to unite in solidarity and compassion, striving to create communities that are not only prepared but eager to welcome, support, guide and integrate those who arrive at the doors seeking refuge and solace. The Holy Father noted that this appeal resonates with the recent Mediterranean meetings held in Marseille over the last few days. During his participation in the Mediterranean meetings, Pope Francis engaged in extensive discussions and dialogues centered around the challenges and opportunities posed by migration, particularly in the Mediterranean region. The Mediterranean has historically been a melting pot of cultures and civilizations, Pope Francis stressed during the conference. In these challenging times, he said, let us embrace the spirit of empathy and unity, welcoming those who seek refuge with open hearts and open minds. I am Francesca Merlo. Ophelia has weakened after bringing heavy rain and gusty winds to the northeast over the weekend. More from Mark Mayfield. Forecasters say the post-tropical cyclone that made landfall in North Carolina Saturday will linger in the region Monday as it moves offshore. The storm brought down trees and left tens of thousands of customers without power. Some coastal communities were flooded out by the dangerous storm surge. States like Pennsylvania, New York, Connecticut, Rhode Island, and Massachusetts can expect rain through the start of the new work week. I'm Mark Mayfield. A bipartisan House caucus says it has one objective, and that is to keep the lights on in Washington. Speaking on CNN's State of the Union, New Jersey Democratic Congressman Josh Gottmeyer and Pennsylvania Republican Congressman Brian Fitzpatrick say they are pushing to get a Keep America Open bill on the House floor in time to avoid a government shutdown. Gottmeyer and Fitzpatrick are co-chairs of the Bipartisan Problem Solvers Caucus, which is made up of 32 Republicans and 32 Democrats. Both congressmen said the caucus is trying to do what's best in the interest of all Americans and keep the government running. President Biden says he will be joining the United Auto Workers picket line this week. Brian Shook reports. Biden tweeted that he was going to Michigan Tuesday to stand in solidarity with the workers as the fight for a fair share of the value they helped create. Union workers say they want a 40 percent pay increase, cost of living adjustments and pensions for all workers. I'm Brian Shook. A tentative agreement between the Writers Guild of America and Hollywood's top studios has been reached in an effort to resolve the ongoing writers strike. The Guild released a statement yesterday saying the deal was made possible by the, quote, enduring solidarity of WG members and extraordinary support of our union siblings, end quote. 
The, the writer's walkout began more than 140 days ago, bringing the film and TV industry to a halt. While union members still need to formally vote to end the walkout, actors will continue their strike until after the union also reaches a deal with studios. That's the news. It's 35 past the hour. Have you used our QR code to download the Sacred Heart Radio app? The app lets you hear Sacred Heart Radio from anywhere and gives you access to the Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith podcast. To get the app, visit sacredheartradio.com and scan the QR code. This is Chris Knockelman, owner of Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. Our family has been a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio for more than a decade, and we encourage other businesses to do the same. Find us at skpha.com, skpha.com. Support for Sacred Art Radio is from Elizabeth's New Life Center, serving at-risk pregnant women and their babies for more than 30 years. Join them for their South Partnership Celebration, October 5th and 6th, with inspirational keynote speakers Bishop Earl Fernandez from the Diocese of Columbus and Dr. Ashley Fernandez, Associate Director of the Center for Bioethics at OSU. More information at their website, en lc.life that's enlc.life it's 24 minutes before the hour on this monday september the 25th your forecast is brought to you on sacred heart catholic radio by schneller knockleman plumbing heating and air online at skpha.com looks like we got another nice day today right now temperatures in the lower 60s as you're heading out the door for Cincinnati, it'll be mostly cloudy to partly sunny today with a high of 78 degrees. Partly cloudy tonight with an overnight low of 59. Partly cloudy tomorrow with some isolated evening showers possible and a high of 80 degrees. For the Miami Valley Dayton area, mostly cloudy skies today and a high of 76. Partly cloudy tonight with an overnight low of 59. Mostly cloudy tomorrow with a slight chance of a late afternoon shower and a high of 78 degrees. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. Continues. I'm Matt Swain, joined now by Father Bonifus Hicks. He is co-author, along with Father Thomas Acklin, of Personal Prayer. And it's uh, a lot of really great information for those of you who want to deepen your prayer lives in the Catholic tradition. Father Bonifus, good morning. Good morning, Matt. Great to be with you. Great to be with you as well. And I get this question all the time from people who are coming toward the church from outside. And they know they're supposed to go to Mass. They know they're supposed to go to Confession. The rosary is highly recommended to them, but there are also thousands upon thousands of other devotions and prayers. And sometimes the new people have a little trouble figuring out, you know, am I supposed to pray this one or that one? I mean, what what is the purpose of all the devotional prayers that are kind of laid out for us on a sort of a spiritual buffet in the church? <clears throat> well, the uh, we, we learn a lot from other people who know how to pray and uh, a lot of the devotional prayers were composed by saints or even in some way provided by uh, the Lord, uh, also through Scripture, and they give us some starting point. So the, Jesus himself, of course, taught us to pray, giving us a, a prayer to recite. And, and we learn by reciting these kinds of prayers how to pray. 
So also, uh, so on the one hand, the, the words from the outside, the, the prayers, the teachings of the saints, the scripture kind of presses in and forms our inside. On the other hand, what's inside of us, we can sometimes have a hard time expressing for ourselves, and we can find ways in devotional prayers to express that. I know that maybe I, I really love Mary or St. Joseph, or I, I love the Lord and his sacred heart or the wounds that he's borne for my sake, but I don't know how to say that as eloquently as uh, St. Bernard did or as, as eloquently as St. Alphonsus Liguori did. And so I find in their prayers a way of expressing my heart. I mean, that's a great way to put it because it, uh, it can seem to, uh, to someone who's just trying to approach these traditions with, with not a whole lot of experience of them as, as though these are a bunch of assignments, <laughs> right? Like, oh, you got to right. do this. Uh, you got to pray this, uh, this certain way, this number of times. And that's, I, don't, I don't think that's what the church is really trying to get us to do, is it? No, not at all. It's uh, not, not trying to, yeah. Well, I, I suppose in a certain way, if you understand assignments correctly, uh, we, we probably put a negative connotation on that from our school experience. But the point of assignments is to practice something that forms us in, uh, in a particular way of, of understanding, of seeing, of, of loving, of receiving. And so uh, assignments understood in the proper way, that could be true. But uh, no, the, it's, it's really a, a matter of uh, forming the heart and also... Uh, these are ways that we can pray together, and so something like the, the rosary, I, I often experienced praying in front of an abortion center, for example. The Protestants would be there and not know quite what to do, and the Catholics, of course, have a battery of uh, rosaries and litanies and uh, a number of things that we can pray together. So the, another advantage of vocal prayer is it is something that we can, we can do together and unite our hearts in a, in a shared prayer. Well, when it comes to these devotions, I, I've found, at least in my own life, that some of them really resonate with me, and some of them are just, I don't know, they're just not my personality type, as it were. I mean, what would you say to someone who, uh, you know, maybe they're at a parish and a, a, a group of people has said, oh, man, you got to try out this devotion. It's amazing. And then they try it out, and it just doesn't click with them. Like, what would you say to somebody who's who's trying to figure out which devotions are are the ones that really resonate with them? Yeah, I would say that's probably a regular experience. If that happens to you, don't be surprised. Um, devotions are very personal, and, and that's why the, the Church doesn't require particular devotional prayers out of anybody. And it's, uh, there's, there's something that's very much a matter of, of personal preference, the things that, that speak to our hearts, that resonate with us. As, as Benedictines, we're particularly not known for devotional prayers. Our devotion is to the liturgy, the church's prayer, and so uh, a lot of us uh, Benedictines uh, may have little here and there, but our, our principal focus is on the, the prayer of the church. And so, so anyway, there's no uh, there's no shame in that. There's no reason to be distressed that uh, somebody else is able to get quite a bit out of a particular devotion and you're not. Um, but uh, certain openness, and sometimes it captures, you know, on a retreat, maybe it's a particularly moving experience and. There's a, there's a prayer, a devotion for that retreat that kind of sticks with us and, and that we can draw as a, as a reminder of what God spoke to us and to keep that grace alive in our hearts. It's so funny that you mention it uh, that way because I've been at places where there's been a retreat or, um, you know, some kind of like an apostolate that has sort of their in-language prayer that they pray or <laughs> they have this certain devotion that's unique to them and then you go try it somewhere where 
you're in a room full of people who haven't gone to that thing or experienced that thing. And they're like, what was that? <laughs> you know, so uh, <laughs> these are really interesting and deeply personal things. Uh, but, you know, the church, I mean, to me, the, 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 the amazing part about it is just how much there is. I, there's there's kind of like an endless well of this stuff. Yeah, it really is uh, remarkable. There's there's uh, It's a lot of the beauty, the wealth of every individual has his or her own unique, exclusive, and unrepeatable relationship with the Lord. And so these prayers are expressions of different saints' devotions. And of course, the mystery of God is infinitely deep, so it's not like we're ever going to exhaust it. And so those things grow up over time. And then being an historical church, we, we actually save these things, write them down, pass them down. Different things grow up in different areas. And so a lot of uh, unique cultural expressions of Catholicism. It's, it's really very beautiful. It's an expression of the diversity of humanity. Well, there's some great thoughts on this uh, very topic in Father Boniface Hicks' book that he did with Father Thomas Acklin. It's called Personal Prayer. It's linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. You too, Matt. All right. And up next, we'll be joined by Stephanie Mann with more stories from the English martyrs. Stay with us. It's 14 till. The new feature film, Mother Teresa and Me, sponsored by Fathom Events, is in theaters Thursday, October 5th. Mother Teresa and Me weaves together the stories of two women, Mother Teresa, who served the poor with love amidst her dark night of the soul, and Kavita, a young woman who is searching for love while struggling with her unexpected pregnancy. Mother Teresa and Me, in theaters Thursday, October 5th. More information at fathomevents.com. That's fathomevents.com. Laura, Teach Me to Pray, the Ignatian Prayer Series, can now train you and others electronically to become facilitators and bring the Ignatian way of prayer to your parish. Come to know and love Jesus Christ like never before and help others do the same. Don't pass up the opportunity to join this work of the new evangelization. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on Digital Training. That's LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on Digital Training. The kids got new supplies for back to school, so what do the parents get? Well, we suggest treating yourself to some good coffee, and the Mystic Monks of Wyoming have a number of blends to choose from. And when you link to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sonrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on whatever you buy. You can also treat yourself to a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and a water bottle for your kid in our online store. Check out our store and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sunrisemorningshow.com. EWTN is available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. If your cable or satellite provider doesn't carry EWTN's full programming lineup, give them a call and let them know you would like to receive EWTN 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. For more information, go to EWTN.com and click on Television. I'm spiritual, but do I have to be religious? Join me, Dr. David Andrews, as we answer your questions on Call to Communion today at 2 p.m. Eastern. Now, back to the Sunrise Morning Show. Now it's actually 14 minutes before the hour. Paul's making fun of me because my math, my math was off. You know what? We aren't in radio because we're good at math. So when the, when the video stream actually goes live, you'll see us heading towards breaks and these, this look of panic and confusion as Anna Mitchell and I, and we prepare to say how many minutes it is before or past the hour. I have to do math. And we're just like, the math. math 60 math. minus 46 
14. That's how many minutes it is before the hour. Here's Anna with headlines. Pope Francis is back in Rome now after a short trip this weekend to Marseille, France, to attend the closing session of the Mediterranean meetings. During his Angelus address yesterday, the Holy Father marked the World Day of Migrants and Refugees, highlighting the right not to migrate. And the Writers Guild of America has reached a tentative agreement that could end the writers' strike with Hollywood's top studios. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. By the way, uh, when we do get that video stream going, it was supposed to launch today, had some glitches and technical difficulties. And it's not just that Anna Mitchell and I didn't want to be seen on camera, I promise. It was actual tech trouble, but we will be seen on camera soon, and we will start sending out that uh, link to the live stream in the show notes every day. So if you go to sunrisemorningshow.com and click on show notes, you can get those, uh, or you can put in your email address and subscribe, and we'll send you an email with a list of all the guests every morning in your inbox so you can see what Stephanie Mann looks like, because there's a picture of her in the show notes when we have her on the show. Stephanie Mann now joining us. She is the author of Supremacy and Survival, How Catholics Endured the English Reformation. Stephanie, good morning. You're kidding, right? <laughs> They're not going to be able to see me, are they? I know. It's just those little pictures <laughs> that we have up there. With I, I know it's terrifying. All the people that we have on the show are, you know, we woke them up to be on the radio. We're not going to subject you to that, Stephanie. I don't think. Great. Okay. Although I can't promise what Annie will try and make you do. But. Uh, mm -hmm. Okay. Today, good morning. <laughs> so very often we're talking about the English martyrs in this uh, particular yes. segment. And today we do talk about some people who suffered a, a great amount for their adherence to the Catholic faith under persecution, but are not technically martyrs. So who are we talking right. about today? We're talking about two, two bishops who actually survived or lived through the reigns of Henry VIII, Edward VI, Mary I, and Elizabeth I, the, the last four tutors. And they are uh, Bishop Thomas Watson, who was uh, of the Lincoln Diocese, and Bishop Edmund Bonner of London Diocese. And actually kind of the pattern, the kind of the definite pattern that both these men followed was under Henry VIII, they took the oaths of succession and supremacy. They acknowledged Henry VIII as the supreme head and governor of the church in England. Under Edward VI, excuse me, they resisted the Calvinist Reformation that uh, Edward and his uh, protectors and, and others enforced on England. Under Mary I, and they endured some imprisonment during that period, under Mary I, they supported the Catholic project of uh, her reign and the uh, efforts of Archbishop Poole to restore Catholicism in England. And then under Elizabeth I, they refused the oath of supremacy. They refused to uh, acknowledge her as the supreme governor of the church in England, and therefore, in their old age, endured imprisonment again. And uh, so they're not... They're not martyrs, and in fact, you could even refer to, I refer to them as repentant confessors because they did start going along with the process of, of separating England from the universal church, and yet they tried to hold on to aspects of Catholicism, and then they finally helped Catholicism come back to England for that short period of Mary the First reign, and then they finally, I guess you say, would had the experience, knowing, knowing what was going to happen, realized that they needed to be, remain true to their faith 
to the cost of their livelihood, their comforts, their, and even their life. So they are confessors, not martyrs, but, but confessors who finally, I guess you could say, finally face the truth that they had to remain true to Jesus and his church, no matter what the other, uh, what greatness they could achieve in other ways or what they might suffer because of it. Well, I find it fascinating to dig into their stories because so often when we celebrate the Feast of John Fisher uh, over the yes. summer, uh, we talk about how he's the only bishop <laughs> you know, who didn't go along yes. with the program. And our assumption is right. that, therefore, all those other people died under the oath of supremacy to the Church of England. But in fact, mm -hmm. each of those people was on a journey of some kind, and uh, these two yes. guys came kind of back to the back to the universal church. Yes, they did. And and I do think it's interesting. Both of them, between the, especially between Henry VIII and, and Edward, the, those two reigns, Henry VIII, Edward VI, they tried to maintain, you know, certain aspects of Catholicism. But how do you do that if you don't have the, the you know, the vicar of Christ, if you're not united with the, the universal Catholic church? So both of them, uh, uh, I guess you could almost say before there were even cafeterias, they were already cafeteria Catholics. They'd selected what they could believe in the Catholic faith and in the Catholic church and tried to carve out and maintain Catholic tradition, but they didn't have the vicar of Christ. They didn't have the universal church. And so, yeah, that, that aspect is very interesting that they both went through this process. And you mentioned John Fisher, Bishop Thomas Watson was a, uh, a colleague of Bishop, well, actually, you'd say an employee of Bishop John Fisher at Cambridge University. He was the master of St. John's College, which was Fisher's great foundation at Cambridge University for the study of theology and the formation of priests. And so the fact that he wouldn't take the same oath that his, took the same oath that his master refused to and went to the block for shows that the, the journey that he had to go, go through to realize that that was a mistake. Maybe it cost him, gave him some time. Maybe it, uh, you know, saved his life for a time. But it was also a mistake because it separated himself from the universal church. You have to wonder about, and we don't talk about it all the time, like as the other bishops who signed on to the oath of supremacy watched the guy who didn't get executed. <laughs> you know, I mean, yes. that has to have had an effect on them. Uh, in some way, small or large, I mean, it obviously had an effect on the two bishops that we're talking about today. Yes. But I'm also reminded, mm -hmm. and we so often in this segment talk about it, how in the the way it played out in the English Reformation, but in persecutions all over the history of the church, and very early in the church, uh, one of the controversies that the church had to sort of come down sort of firmly on was this question of, do you let somebody back? If they have yes. uh, defected under pressure or if they defect mm -hmm. under pressure, were all their baptisms and other sacraments invalid? You know, and the church is like, no, nope. mm -hmm. uh, anybody who wants to come back can come back. And if they baptized you and then they did bad things, <laughs> you know, those baptisms are still real. I, I mean, you kind of see it playing out in a really concrete way in these two stories. Yes, and I think Bishop Bonner's example is also very true. He he really uh, just benefited so much from supporting Henry VIII in his attempt to get his first marriage annulled and 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 follow through on that when the Pope wouldn't allow him to. And yet, when he when it finally comes down to the moment, it, it, 
in Elizabeth's first reign, he says this, the line that uh, Father Bowden quotes is, I possess three things, soul, body, and property. Of the last two, you can dispose at your pleasure. So that he had that courage at that moment to say, you know, you can take my body, you can take my property, it, it doesn't matter. I'm going to maintain my soul and I'm going to uh, maintain it in the integrity of the church and uh, that Jesus founded and not follow this uh, uh, government formed church that uh, that has that I first supported it in a way. So he did have that repentance and that coming back to the church so that he would uh, die. I don't know. Now, I don't know. And Father Bowden doesn't tell us, you know, what kind of sacraments they received, if they uh, did have the opportunity to go to confession and confess these sins. But at least it's clear that they had that, I guess you'd say almost a reversion as you have uh, on the Journey Home programs, a, a, a Catholic reverting to the true faith and, and defending the church at the end, even uh, while suffering in old age and imprisonment. And so I think that's true, that well, there is that return and that welcome. The fact that Father Bowden highlights them shows we recognize the courage it took at the end, at least, to make this decision and return to the church and return to the true faith. Well, Stephanie, here in the 21st century, in our highly politicized yes. and polarized world, we tend to, even during their lifetimes, look at people and say, ah, that person's a lost cause. You know, yes. I'm going to write them off forever. But in my experience, God's not done with anybody. <laughs> He's not Amen. done with anybody. Good. Thanks. Thanks be to God. <laughs> I am very grateful for that in my own personal case. I have personal yes. reasons for being grateful for that. Uh, but, yes. Stephanie, if our listeners want to get uh, more stories of martyrs, and in this case, confessors, uh, they can go to Supremacy and Survival. It's linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Have a wonderful day. Thank you very much. You too. All right. And that wraps it up for the Sunrise Morning Show, at least as far as the EWTN broadcast is concerned. we got more coming up for our local listeners, but we will talk to most of you tomorrow morning. It'll be a Tuesday. I'm Matt Swain. For all of us here, may God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. If you're planning to give an end-of-the-year gift to Sacred Heart Radio, we are grateful. And there are several ways to give, including a stock gift through your IRA or a donor-advised fund. There's planned giving, employee matching funds. You can send a check, donate online, and more. Contact your financial advisor for more information on the tax benefits of donating to Sacred Heart Radio. And to see and read about all the ways to give, visit sacredheartradio.com and click on Ways to Give. Being prepared is everything, right? Does your family know your wishes for your final resting place? Gate of Heaven Cemetery, Archdiocese of Cincinnati's pre-planning family services advisors will assist you and your family with your advanced planning by helping you make decisions calmly and with a clear mind. Attend an upcoming pre-planning seminar at Gate of Heaven Cemetery so you can rest with peace of mind. 513-489-0300. 513-489-0300. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Ars Cafe and Meeting House, opening October 2nd, offering delicious varieties of coffee and fresh-baked goods, pastries, sandwiches, and soups. Ars Cafe and Meeting House, 6988 North Dearborn Road in Guilford, Indiana. Offering Catholic retreats based on Ignatian spirituality, the Jesuit Spiritual Center invites you to a weekend of prayer and renewal led by various retreat masters, including Father Michael Graham. 
Join others for a weekend of silence as you experience the great treasures of the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Register now at JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. That's JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. your help. Hello, I'm Marianne Kuharski, Director of Pro-Life Across America. In my 30-plus years, I've never seen such a concerted attempt to silence our efforts and at a time when it's most needed. There's a powerful effort to prevent and block our pro-life messages. Our billboards, social media, and digital ads are all impacted. Unplanned pregnancies still happen. Our ads feature a hotline number connecting callers with more than 3,000 pregnancy support centers across America, offering alternatives to abortion, free ultrasound, and pregnancy help. Babies' lives are being saved. The need still exists. It really does. And Pro-Life Across America needs your help. To donate, please find us at prolifeacrossamerica.org. Did you know I could suck my thumb before I was born? Yep, we all started small. I'm Father Ronald Half from Our Lady of Divine Providence Family of Parishes. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. Continue on this Monday, the 25th of September, praying together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, you are a helper close at hand in time of distress. Grant peace of heart to all who are troubled and afraid. You are in our midst when life's ills assail us. Keep our hearts fixed on you amid all disturbances. Your word is the river of life which gives joy to your people. Refresh in prayer all who are burdened. Put an end to war and to the weapons of war. Teach us to lay aside all quarrels and attacks on our neighbors. Almighty and ever-living God, your word is the rock which we take refuge against all outward in which we take refuge against all outward disturbance and inner turmoil. Pour forth upon your people the refreshing stream of living water which wells up from the heart of your Son, that we may dwell together in inward and outward peace. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. It is a better way to start a Monday morning, the Sunrise Morning Show on this Monday, September the 25th, uh, because I've been answering a few questions about it online. Uh, Maybe you heard a promo saying we were going to be live on video on September 25th. Well, we were, uh, except the computers kind of updated themselves over the weekend and reset some settings. So we got to tweak those, and uh, I'm pretty sure we're going to be on video at some point this week. But we'll let you know when that happens. I assure you. Up this hour, I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. David Kissel will be in the studio to talk about a way that you can support Catholic schools. And it's a fairly clever thing, if I understand it correctly. Dr. Leonard DeLorenzo will discuss the Sabbath and family culture. Maybe some of you wish you'd done Sunday a little bit better. And uh, he's got some thoughts on that. Dr. Benjamin Lewis from ISIL, the International Commission on English and the Liturgy, will talk about the translations of the Liturgy of the Hours, and um, there's some really cool things happening 
in that area. Also, Dr. Jim Schrader along at the end of the hour as well, so stay with us if you can. Right now, it's two minutes past. News of service of Bridgetown Finer Meats and BridgetownFinerMeats.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. Pope Francis is back in Rome after a short trip this weekend to Marseille, France, where he attended the closing session of the Mediterranean meetings. In his address at the closing session, the Holy Father encouraged religious leaders and civil authorities to contribute to making the Mediterranean region a foundation of peace in the world, saying migration is not an emergency, but a reality of our times requiring wise foresight. From Vatican Radio, Lucy Zingarini has more. The Pope articulated his long reflection around three aspects that characterize the southern French city, the sea, the port and the lighthouse. He stressed the need for the Mediterranean region to rediscover its historic vocation to be a place of encounter amidst today's sea of conflicts and resurgent belligerent nationalisms. To make peace possible, Pope Francis remarked, we must listen to the cry of the poor as Jesus did on the banks of the Sea of Galilee. Among them today, the thousands of migrants losing their lives in the Mediterranean. In this regard, the Pope questioned the narrative of an invasion and of an emergency, remarking that the phenomenon of migration is a reality of our times that must be governed with wise foresight. The Pope therefore reiterated that in the face of the scourge of the exploitation of human beings, the solution is not to reject, but to ensure a fair number of legal and regular entrances. He further highlighted the crucial importance of integrating migrants in the hosting countries, which he warned does not mean assimilation. Pope Francis went on to recall the duty of all Christians to witness the gospel of charity and fraternity towards the stranger. Referring to the last image of the lighthouse, he underscored the need for the Mediterranean churches of finding cooperative ways forward and also pointed to the important role of young people, highlighting once again the crucial importance of education in promoting a culture of encounter. Finally, Pope Francis called for new Mediterranean theology that unites generations and promotes ecumenical and interreligious dialogue to prevent the misuse of religion by fundamentalists. I am Lisa Zengarini. During his Angelus address yesterday, Pope Francis marked the World Day of Migrants and Refugees. And his theme this year was focused on the right not to migrate. He said the right to migrate, a fundamental human right, has for many become an obligation driven by dire circumstances, saying, quote, the current global landscape is marred by suffering, conflict, and the devastating impacts of the climate crisis forcing countless people to abandon their homes and seek refuge elsewhere. He said there needs to exist an equally essential right not to migrate for people to remain in their homelands, enjoying a life of dignity. In Washington, the House GOP conference is continuing negotiations to come up with a legislative plan to avert a government shutdown. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy says he's optimistic that some sort of deal will be worked out ahead of the September 30th deadline. The renewed push comes after two previous attempts to unite Republicans around stopgap funding resolution failed. President Biden says he will be joining the United Auto Workers picket line this week. He'll travel to Michigan tomorrow to, quote, stand in solidarity with the men and women of UAW as they fight for their fair share of the value they helped create, end quote. 
It comes as the union recently expanded its strike to 20 states after no substantial progress was made with the big three automakers on a new contract. UAW members are pushing for a 40% pay increase, cost of living adjustments, and pensions for all workers. Meanwhile, the Writers Guild of America has reached a tentative agreement with Hollywood's top studios to potentially end the ongoing writer's strike. Mark Mayfield has the story. On Sunday evening, the Guild released a statement saying the deal was made possible by the enduring solidarity of WGA members and extraordinary support of our union siblings. This tentative agreement doesn't guarantee an end to the strike. Union members still need to formally vote to end the walkout, and actors will continue their strike until the sag after union also reaches a deal with studios. I'm Mark Mayfield. And the first asteroid sample collected in space by NASA is now back on Earth. NASA's OSIRIS-REx spacecraft released a capsule containing soil from the asteroid Bennu, which then safely parachuted into the Utah desert yesterday west of Salt Lake City. The robotic spacecraft was launched in 2016, landed on the asteroid in 2020, where it collected a sample from the surface of Bennu. NASA says the mission will help scientists understand how planets formed and how life began and improve our understanding of asteroids that could impact the Earth. Well, I happen to know how life began, Paul. Right. God. There you go. I uh, I tell you, I if uh, if I was the people that got, you know, part of the scientist community that got these samples back, I didn't know. I don't know where to start. I just look at it like it was dirt, you know, like... <laughs> Oh, well, well, let's clean this up. Well, look at this dirt. Get a broom. Let's get the dawn out, you know, yeah, and just start uh, cleaning. Start and then, scrubbing. yeah. And then uh, realize I didn't understand the uh, project at hand. And then mm-hmm. uh, probably. Uh, this is why you're sitting across from me about to do a sports report. This is why I do a sports report. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Of course. I feel you, man. Yeah. I feel you. Well, <laughs> let's get to it. 8.08 now on the Sunrise Morning Show. Sports brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Cincinnati Bengals did not lose yesterday. They get a uh, chance to play a rematch of Super Bowl 56 tonight against the L.A. Rams on Monday Night Football. Cincinnati aiming to avenge that loss. And not only that, pick up their first win of the season after uh, dropping two straight AFC North battles. One to the Browns, one to the Ravens to start the year. Bengals uh, hoping to see their quarterback, Joe Burrow. He's questionable for the game with that calf injury. We shall see what happens. How about Reds news? Reds finally beat the Pirates. My goodness, 4-2 to final score in the finale from Great American Ballpark. An emotional game as uh, a lot of I fans was tearing up, man. send off Joey Votto possibly for his uh, last Don't season. Don't do it, Reds. Who knows? Reds uh, improved to 80-77, and two and a half games out of the wild card. They're off today. We need uh, some... Some Can I help. get David Kissel's thoughts on this? Uh, sure, why what, not? What did Carson think about Joey Votto here, David? So, uh, one of his favorite players of all time, uh, mm-hmm. he was just struggling with the two losses uh, to the Pirates. So, just happy yeah. to see that they even win but uh, on Sunday. But, yeah, he uh, he's always loved. Uh, he had, had the chance to meet Joey Votto oh, really? several years ago. So, yeah. yeah, so one of his favorite players. We hope he's still hope here. Hope he's still here. Yeah. Yeah. One more year. I, I was talking with Matt Swaim off the air about this. Uh, I think uh, Joey Votto, one more year of Joey. Just keep him around on the roster. and Let give him retire him, as a red, And since please. they do the uh, the MLB, everybody plays everybody, 
Give him a, a farewell tour like they did Miguel yeah. Cabrera. Let him uh, get all Give these fun gifts tour, from like all Derek these places. Yeah. yeah, it would be it would be really neato. And uh, to be honest with you, you know, what's one more play? This is what the DH is for anyway. To have a a player past their prime mm-hmm. that can still sit there and and swing every now and then and not have to, you know, glove it out there in the field. So who knows? Let's get. I'd to... be okay with him still at first base, honestly. No, but... no, 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 no. Oh. Christian Encarnacion Strand. We got we got plenty of uh... Joey. Why don't you why don't you just play? You know, just you know, wave and and shake hands and kiss babies and and play every third day. You know, that would be great. And DH every third day. That you want that'd him be to my just play. like fade? No, I want him to have a tour. You oh, know, I, I mean. Fading no. to the background. So Ken Griffey Jr., I said this, you know, he came back one more year and he batted 136 and it was real sad. So mm-hmm. that's that's the thing you want to avoid. You don't really want Joey to Maybe go out Joey there will just and retire then retire this year. Who knows? Uh, that like might he be needs to play next year, I guess. Yeah. I'd rather see that. I just want him to retire. I want him to go into the you don't, Hall of Fame as a red. You don't want to, yeah, well obviously he would. But uh yeah, I, I mean, don't know. You don't want to he... see him in a Mets uniform or a Yankee uniform or a Philly and what uniform. What if he goes and has like that? a career year in New York? Oh, stop. Then it. he goes into You're... Cooperstown as a Met. That's ridiculous. Do we really you're want being, that? You're being ridiculous. That's that's I'm not. That I'm is that's absurd. Being that's all right, let's Frank Robinson. Yeah. Okay. That's all I have to say. All right. Let's get to uh traffic before we argue or bicker anymore. Traffic a service of Larkin Cobb, Chevrolet, Buick and GMC in Eaton, Ohio, on the web at LarkinCobb.com. Tell me something good on track. Yeah, it's not too bad out there. A few slow spots to report. Outer loop of 275 going westbound from Ward's Corner up toward the 71 interchange. you got to slow down. Southbound 75 heading through the Lachlan split. Uh, down at the bottom of the loop of 275 westbound. It's slowing from Turkey Foot over toward Mineola Pike. And northbound 471 is just a little bit slow from Grand Avenue up to the river. Now, for weather, another nice day. One of these days, it's going to break, but not today. Mostly cloudy to partly sunny in Cincinnati with a high of 78 degrees. Partly cloudy tonight with an overnight low of 59. It'll be partly cloudy with some isolated evening showers tomorrow and high of 80. For the Miami Valley Dayton area, mostly cloudy skies today and a high of 76. Partly cloudy tonight with an overnight low of 59. Mostly cloudy and mild tomorrow with a slight chance of a late afternoon shower and a high of 78 degrees. Today is Monday, September the 25th, and we are happy to have you along with us here on the Sunrise Morning Show on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. Here with me now in studio on the Sunrise Morning Show, David Kissel from the Stewardship Department for the Archdiocese of Cincinnati. Good morning, David. Good morning, Anna. It is good to see you, and we are going to be talking about the Catholic Education Foundation and the SGO program. We'll get to SGO in just a second. But first of all, let's talk about the CEF, the Catholic Education Foundation, um, which is part of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati. Can you just get anyone who's not familiar with it up to speed on on the history of it and the purpose of it? Sure. So we travel back almost 10 years now, believe it or not, um, to 2014-2015. Here in the Archdiocese, we did a major 
campaign called the One Faith, One Hope, One Love campaign. Um, 160-some million dollars was pledged to the, to the campaign, and we're currently at $144 million has been raised. I'm still seeing some contributions come in, which is great. Um, but the largest portion of the of the uh, the funds were were designated to benefit Catholic education, uh, specifically to establish an endowment fund for tuition assistance. So, trying to you know provide a fund for our our students to attend our schools, and uh, for several years now, um, just over two million dollars has been has been sent out to help our students um, attend the schools that. Uh, that we see th- through acro- across the archdiocese. I think it's aware of over $12 million has been awarded in tuition assistance since the inception of the program. So that's how the Catholic Education Foundation, also known as the CEF, got started several years ago. And so the CEF has been certified as an SGO, which uh, is short for Scholarship Granting Organization. And this is a, a program in the state of Ohio can you talk about what it is and why this is so important? Yeah, so the state of Ohio has, has uh, implemented this SGO program um, where they're providing a tax credit for uh, donors, for families making contributions to these certified SGO organizations, which Catholic Education Foundation is certified. Um, so they get a tax credit up to $750. So again, one of the common themes whenever we talk about this, you have to consult your your family's tax professional to see how this may affect your own personal situation. Um, but for pretty much uh, many, if not everyone here in the state of Ohio, you know, there we all have a tax liability. We have to you know provide and pay taxes to the state of Ohio um, from the income we make, and they've offered a tax credit to to offset that. So. Mm-hmm. Um, up to $750 for individuals, uh, married couples filing jointly can get up to $1,500. Um, you know, when you saw this program rolled out, um, it's been over a couple it years now. It sounds almost too good to it's be too, true. Yeah, it sounds too good to be true. Um, and I was very skeptical, honestly. Um, and and it, we were certified about a year ago here in the Archdiocese. So at the end of last year, we saw a number of contributions. So my wife, Christy, and I, we, we made a contribution in, in December last year. We filed our taxes in February, and then in April, the entire donation amount that we contributed was back in our bank account yeah. as a credit. Which I was, was going to say, I have, a, I know there are a lot of, of Catholic schools, and my, my kid's school, Good Shepherd Montessori, is an, is an SGO school, and I know somebody that did the exact same thing, donated to, to that particular fund, and then, you know, his dad's an accountant, and he's like, I don't believe this. And and then was, like, shocked to see that really and truly that amount comes back in. Now, you're right. Talk with your tax professional, but it's, it is seriously unbelievable. So in terms of the Catholic Education Foundation, David, how have donations been going there? Very well. So you, you mentioned Good Shepherd Montessori, the school where your children go. Um, so the donors have the, the option to designate the schools of their choice. So you can designate one school or multiple schools where you would, you would like your contribution to benefit. So the contribution is going to come to the Catholic Education Foundation. It's made directly to the foundation. Um, but each of our schools have a fund within the foundation um, that, that uh, they can draw upon for their own tuition assistance for their students. So we've seen a number of our schools um, really uh, doing extremely well. Um, the top five are our Catholic high schools. Um, oh, of course. They're, they're out there uh, leading the way. But uh, Rilo's uh, 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 home parish, 
uh, Guardian Angels uh, over on the east side comes in at number six. So wow. some of our grade schools are hanging in there with the high schools who have uh, has some good marketing um, staff and, and things that go out. So nice. um, it, it, the program started here in the Archdiocese about a year ago. So last fall we became certified. Um, and in the first year we've raised just over $1.3 million um, from just under 2,000 families, which is great. Uh, here in 2023, uh, we're, we're kind of just getting things, start to see things get off the ground, about 160000 raised. Um, but we anticipate that the uh, end of year giving coming up here in the final months of the year, we, we would see the, the contributions uh, certainly increase. So um, just, you know, just very uh, grateful to this opportunity, you know, that, that families can have a benefit on the tax side of things, but more importantly, to support the Catholic schools that we love, you yeah. know, because these schools are making a world of difference for students, for their families. They're sending out uh, disciples out into the world uh, to uh, continue to spread the gospel. So this is a great way to, to lift up our, our Catholic schools. So if folks want to learn more about this, David, how do they get more information? Yeah, so our Catholic schools uh, has a website that's called catholicbestchoice.org, catholicbestchoice.org. Um, you go there, there's a, a link that says Donate SGO, or you can go to catholicbestchoice.org slash SGO. Learn all about the program, all the, uh, the, the details of it. But again, please consult your family's tax professional um, to learn how this uh, best fits your own personal situation. Yeah, make it happen, folks. Support Catholic education and get it all back. <laughs> love it. Love it, David. Really appreciate you bringing this to our attention again and, and really hope it inspires folks to give. So uh, we've got the stewardship department for the Archdiocese of Cincinnati linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Really appreciate it, David. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks, Anna. All right. We got traffic and weather coming up next. It's 20 past. Catholic Engaged Encounter Weekends are a marriage preparation program led by married couples and a priest or deacon. What makes this marriage prep program unique is you will have two days as a couple to delve into important subjects that will affect your relationship together for the rest of your lives. More time for prayer and reconciliation and closing the weekend with Mass. More information is at cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. That's cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. Cabernet Sauvignon, Malbec, Merlot, Pinot Noir, Chardonnay. When you're looking for an extensive selection of fine, handcrafted wines from around the world, it's the BFM Wine Shop on Bridgetown Road. BFM Wine stocks over a 1,000 labels of high-quality wine from boutique wineries and small producers. There's also the Wine of the Month, their e-newsletter, and pairing suggestions with fine food. The BFM Wine Shop, proud supporters of Sacred Heart Radio, on the web at bridgetownfindermeats.com. Working to see the culture of life prevail in the Miami Valley, Dayton Right to Life is here to protect God's gift of life through law, education, and community action, from fertilization to natural death. Find Dayton Right to Life online at DaytonLife.org. That's DaytonLife.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Sunset Janitorial Supply, a Catholic family business supplying the tri-state cleaning industry with commercial cleaning supplies, personal hygiene, equipment, and even machine repair. Free delivery to your business. More information at SunsetJanitorialSupply.com. 21 minutes past the hour now, and this traffic report is a service of Rose Automotive pre-owned vehicles on Erie Highway in Hamilton on the web at roseautomotivegroup.com. 
275 westbound at the bottom of the loop, still running slow as you approach the 7175 interchange up toward the top of the loop going westbound. You'll be slow from Ward's Corner to the 71 interchange. Southbound 75 still slowing through the Lachlan split and mostly heavy now on northbound 471 from Grand Avenue up to the river. Now for weather, mostly cloudy today to partly sunny in Cincinnati with a high of 78 degrees. Partly cloudy tonight with an overnight low of 59. Partly cloudy with some isolated evening showers possible tomorrow and a high of 80. For the Miami Valley Dayton area, mostly cloudy today with a high of 76. Partly cloudy tonight with an overnight low of 59. Mostly cloudy with a slight chance of a late afternoon shower tomorrow and a high of 78 degrees. We are, of course, in the midst of the 54-day novena ahead of the November ballot initiative vote. We're on day 11, so please pray with me in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Ever-living God, you give life and desire a future for all your children. Take hold of our nation, state, and community and awaken in every heart awe for the gift of life. Send your spirit to strengthen us with wisdom and fortitude as we defend mothers and children in Ohio from laws that disregard their health and safety. Mary and Joseph trusted in you and welcomed Jesus into our broken world. Father, we ask their intercession to protect the preborn and their mothers and to guide all parents in raising their children. May they help us build a civilization of love by upholding the sacredness of life, preserving parental rights, and accompanying pregnant women in need. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Lady, Mother of the Family, pray for us. St. Joseph, Protector of the Unborn, pray for us. Dr. Leonard DeLorenzo joins us next. It's 24 past. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. We strive to provide the highest quality diamond and CBN products manufactured by privately owned companies, enabling us to provide prompt and personal service and you to avoid the unnecessary cost and frustrations of dealing with bureaucracies. Find us online at theabrasiveone.com. That's the number one, theabrasiveone.com, theabrasiveone.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoting Realtors, trusted and recommended by generations of families to sell their homes. Licensed in Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana. Hoting Realtors, 513-451-4800 and at Hoting.com. Hi, this is John Kennedy, a State Farm agent and a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. If you need life insurance, I can help process the best options for you and your family. You can reach me at 859-485-2000 or online at johnkennedyinsurance.com. Sacred Heart Radio is blessed to have the support of Larkin Cobb Chevrolet Buick GMC in Eaton, Ohio, offering a wide range of new and used cars, trucks, and SUVs with on-site financing. Larkin Cobb, close to Eaton, Richmond, Dayton, and Brookville. On the web at larkincobb.com. A prayer to St. Peter Claver. Dear saint of our modern times, you were permeated with compassion for the oppressed, for human beings sold as slaves and treated as expendable beasts. While alleviating their natural ills, you also took away their spiritual ills and taught them the surpassing knowledge of Christ. Inspire many of our contemporaries to become self-sacrificing missionaries like you. Amen. For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Father Mark Watkins. Five minutes past the hour. 
Joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Dr. Leonard DeLorenzo with the McGrath Institute for Church Life at Notre Dame. He's host of the Church Life Today podcast as well. Dr. DeLorenzo, welcome back. Good morning, Annie. It's good to have you. And we're going to be talking about the Sabbath and family culture today. You've got a piece on this over at our Sunday visitor. Now, to start off the conversation, can you define for us what is the vice of acedia? Acedia is a sort of spiritual sadness. It's typically tied more with the capital sin of sloth, which to us suggests, and rightfully so, a kind of inactivity, a um, regret or a disdain of the good that ought to be done. And so acedia is, we could think of it as being sort of stuck, willfully stuck in the mud, not going anywhere. Hmm. Okay, now I've always kind of, like you said, associated it with this sort of like laziness, but clearly must be more than that because then you apply this to just how busy family life is. Tell us more about it. Well, I think one of the ways we can reflect on Acedia in modern life is by how we have kind of yielded ourselves to these overstuffed schedules going from one thing to another, which kind of drains us, if we think about it, of intentionality, meaningfulness, purposefulness. And in that way, it looks like the opposite of being stuck. But in another way, if we think about it, it really is a lack of our agency, our willfulness. And indeed, if we think about this spiritually, our openness and responsiveness to God's call in our life. If we just allow ourselves to be run by all the many things that are going on around us, we ourselves are not actually moving. We're being moved. Mm. It's such an important point to consider, um, particularly as as parents that, you know, want to have their kids involved in things and want to be doing stuff at at church and through school and, and all the all of that it's all, it can be good until it starts to run your life, which brings us to the Sabbath and family life. Of course, we as Catholics don't commemorate the Sabbath. That's Saturday. We have Sunday, but I know you read a book about this. So how did this get you thinking (laughs) about Sundays and time in general? Well, long for a long time in the Christian tradition, the the Jewish observance of the Sabbath has been transferred for Christians to Sunday, the observance of the Lord's Day. And for me, I really started to think about this much more seriously when I recognized the way in which I was kind of being run on my own Sundays, or to put this in another regard, the way in which I was sort of rushing and feeling like I couldn't rest with my children on Sunday. And what I came to see over some, you know, analysis, you know, examining my own schedule, but then also studying this and thinking about this is that even when I didn't have things formally on the schedule for a Sunday, let's say it was really a day off, I was still under the sort of influence and the rhythm of all those busy, busy, busy things from the rest of the week. And I found that what had become true of my life, and I think the lives of probably many others, is that um, that sort of incessant movement and rhythm and feeling like we have the next. Dr. DeLorenzo, did we lose you? I think we may have lost Dr. DeLorenzo. Wow. That is unfortunate. Um, He goes on in this piece to talk about St. Louis Martin, who is, of course, the father of St. Therese of Lisieux but is also um, 
the patron saint of time. Did you know that? Because he was a clockmaker. And so he sold clocks, he fixed clocks, and, and as Dr. De Lorenzo writes, he knew a lot about time. He lived in a time of growing commerce. He labored for his customers, and he was surrounded by competitors. The way things were going in his day, it would have been natural and expected for him to do what everyone else like him was doing, which was extend his working hours and keep his shop open each day, including Sunday. But Louis' understanding of time went deeper than the demands of commerce. What he placed first as the primary and most positive thing was observing the Lord's Day. And what Dr. De Lorenzo gets at here is that we in our day and age in this frenetic pace of family life and work is that, yeah, we might observe a Sunday as a day of rest, but that's like laying around on the couch watching football because I have no energy left and need to just sit. And that isn't what the Lord has in store for us. He wants so much more for us on a Sunday where we are to rest in him. Sundays are meant for worship and renewal, yes, but not just to go back to getting to work. We don't rest in order to build up energy to work. It all has to be centered on Sunday. I really want to encourage you to go check out his piece. It's called Sabbath and the Culture of the Family Home through our Sunday visitor with Dr. Leonard DeLorenzo. And, um, you know, hopefully we'll get him back next week and we can continue the conversation. Bummer that we lost him. But, you know, sometimes technology just does not work out in your favor. So, anyway. 32 minutes past the hour now. It's time for news. Pope Francis is back in Rome after a short trip this weekend to Marseille, France, to attend the closing session of the Mediterranean meetings. In his address, the Holy Father encouraged religious leaders and civil authorities to contribute to making the Mediterranean region a foundation of peace in the world, saying, migration is not an emergency, but a reality of our times requiring wise forethought. And he extended that thought into his Angelus address yesterday as the Holy Father marked the World Day of Migrants and Refugees. From Vatican Radio, Francesca Merlo reports. The theme for this year's celebration is free to choose whether to migrate or to stay, underscoring the critical need for migration to be a voluntary and dignified choice rather than a desperate necessity. He stressed that there should exist an equally essential right not to migrate, affirming the right of individuals to remain in their own lands while enjoying a life of dignity and fulfillment. The current global landscape is marred by suffering, conflict and the devastating impacts of the climate crisis, forcing countless people to abandon their homes and seek refuge elsewhere, said the Pope. He acknowledged this grim reality and called upon all individuals and nations to unite in solidarity and compassion, striving to create communities that are not only prepared but eager to welcome, support, guide and integrate those who arrive at the doors seeking refuge and solace. The Holy Father noted that this appeal resonates with the recent Mediterranean meetings held in Marseille over the last few days. 
During his participation in the Mediterranean meetings, Pope Francis engaged in extensive discussions and dialogues centered around the challenges and opportunities posed by migration, particularly in the Mediterranean region. The Mediterranean has historically been a melting pot of cultures and civilizations, Pope Francis stressed during the conference. In these challenging times, he said, let us embrace the spirit of empathy and unity, welcoming those who seek refuge with open hearts and open minds. I migrants vanno accolti, protetti o accompagnati, promossi e integrati. I am Francesca Merlo. President Biden is set to join the United Auto Workers picket line this week. He'll be traveling to Michigan tomorrow, he says. It comes as the union recently expanded its strike to 20 states after no substantial progress has been made with the big three automakers on a new contract. UAW members are pushing for a 40 percent pay increase, cost of living adjustments and pensions for all workers. And Ophelia has weakened to bringing heavy rain and gusty winds to the northeast over the weekend. More from Mark Mayfield. Forecasters say the post-tropical cyclone that made landfall in North Carolina Saturday will linger in the region Monday as it moves offshore. The storm brought down trees and left tens of thousands of customers without power. Some coastal communities were flooded out by the dangerous storm surge. States like Pennsylvania, New York, Connecticut, Rhode Island, and Massachusetts can expect rain through the start of the new work week. I'm Mark Mayfield. 8.35 now on the Sunrise Morning Show and Sports on Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine online at beaconortho.com. Here's Paul Ackman. All right, it is time for the Bengals to pick up a win. Cincinnati hosts the Los Angeles Rams tonight in Monday Night Football, trying to avenge a uh, Super Bowl loss from... uh, years past uh, Super Bowl 56 in case your memory is foggy. Joe Burrow is uh, officially listed as questionable for the game as he continues to deal with a calf injury. Burrow's been limited to just 304 passing yards, two touchdowns and an interception in two games. Red salvaged their finale against the Pirates with a 4-2 win at Great American Ballpark. T.J. Friedel slugged a two-run homer in the sixth to tie the game up. Also had a go-ahead RBI in the seventh inning, Christian Encarnacion Strand blasted a solo shot in the eighth to help seal the win for the Reds. Also an emotional game as it might have been Joey Votto's last home game as a uh, member of the Reds. FC Cincinnati came away with a 3-0 win over Charlotte to win the Battle of the Queen Cities. The club still sitting in first place in the East with 62 points. FC Cincinnati back at it on Saturday visiting Toronto. That's a uh, look at sports. Also, uh, by the way, Anna Mitchell's Ohio State Buckeyes beat Notre Dame 17-14 in a thriller on uh, Saturday. It was uh, quite the eventful game, and Anna's would give me a uh, bad look if I didn't announce that. All right, that's a uh, brief look at sports. We got more on the Sunrise Morning Show right after this.
Do you go to sacredheartradio.com to get the show notes? Then you know the show notes is where you'll see the guest featured on the Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith for today and previous days. And now you can find and hear an interview again just by hovering over the podcast markers. So for the links to the resources you hear about and to hear an interview again, get it by checking out the show notes every day at the new sacredheartradio.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Dr. Robert Berger at Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Dr. Berger has been recognized by Cincinnati Magazine nearly every year over the past 20 years as one of the top physicians in orthopedic surgery, and he serves as team physician for Xavier University, Mount St. Joseph University, and LaSalle High School. Dr. Berger treats patients of all ages at the Beacon West office on Harrison Avenue and on the east side at Cincinnati Sports Club. For more information, 513-354-3700, online at beaconortho.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Rose Automotive, serving the Hamilton area with a wide selection of pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. Rose Automotive, celebrating over 30 years of automotive excellence. On Erie Highway in Hamilton, roseautomotivegroup.com. When you click subscribe at sacredheartradio.com, you get our show notes in your inbox with links to everything featured on the Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith. To know when your favorite guests are on, go to sacredheartradio.com and click subscribe. This is Father Steph Bankemper with some thoughts from Cardinal Francis Xavier Gwen Fantuan, a man who spent 13 years in a Vietnamese prison, nine of them in solitary confinement. Perseverance is the characteristic of saints because he who endures to the end will be saved. And although you may feel worn out or less enthused, keep your spirits up. The dark clouds cannot block the sunlight forever. Just wait for them to pass over. Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Dr. Benjamin Lewis from the International Commission on English in the Liturgy. Dr. Lewis, good morning. Good morning. So of all the things that we've talked about you translating, we've talked a little bit about Scripture and the Liturgy uh, in terms of you know the Mass, uh, but a lot of people pray the Liturgy of the Hours. A lot of people have their own copies. Some people even have apps, as it were. Uh, what have you been doing in regard to translating the Liturgy of the Hours, and why would you be revising it now? So we have been working on revising the Liturgy of the Hours really uh, for the last 10 years or so. It's it's kind of a big project. And the reason why is because uh, after the Roman Missal translation of 12 years ago, uh, there's sort of a difference now in, in style. Um, and so we, we've been going through all the other liturgical books, kind of updating them and revising them, to sort of match the style of the Roman Missal. And so the Liturgy of the Hours, that's what we're doing. We're, we're revising it to match the style of the Missal. But we're also revising it because there are parts of it that were never translated the first time around. Uh, specifically, the hymns in the Liturgy of the Hours were never actually translated from Latin into English. What was done, uh, the, the church actually has set hymn texts for each of the offices, each of the hours of the Liturgy of the Hours, uh, to sort of start the, the office, to start the hour with a hymn. And what was done in the 70s was uh, they looked at the, these Latin hymns, and they either found existing translations, or they found paraphrases, or they found other hymns that were similar but not exact, and they just sort of plugged those in. Um, and so 
uh, what we're doing this time around is we're actually translating the Latin hymns into English to be singable uh, and to be accurate translations of these hymns, because some of these hymns are uh, specific to the feast day and they uh, they're they're meant to tie in with themes and ideas and scriptural passages that relate to the feast day. And so I want to take a, an example of, of, of this. Yeah, I'd be very curious at... about this because I'm in my head, I'm like trying to think of things that we sing where <laughs> we've just basically copied and pasted somebody, somebody else's stuff over an old tune. Um, so yeah, yeah, I'm curious about this. So if we look at the Feast of the Baptism of the Lord, so that's the Sunday immediately following Epiphany or Sunday after uh, January 6th. So the, the Feast of the Baptism of the Lord, if you go to that part of the Liturgy of the Hours, um, there's evening prayer one. So on feast days that fall on a Sunday, we have an evening prayer one and an evening prayer two. And the evening prayer one is said on Saturday evening in anticipation of the feast day on Sunday. Um, and so if you go to the, the currently uh, used Liturgy of the Hours, you'll find a hymn there. Sing praise to our Creator, O sons of Adam's race, God's children by adoption baptized into His grace. Praise the Holy Trinity, undivided unity, holy God, mighty God, God immortal be adored. Now, that hymn text is just a hymn text from Omer Westendorf uh, from the early 60s. It's set to uh, a melody. Um, it's not a bad hymn. It's pretty it's, good. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's a know, good. Lyrically. It's a good hymn. <laughs> um, but it's not actually a hymn. It's not a translation of the hymn that the church proposes for us to sing at this office for the Feast of the Baptism of the Lord. Um, and this hymn only mentions baptism in the first stanza. The rest of the hymn doesn't really have to do with baptism. So um, we've translated and we've actually already got the hymns approved and they've already been published as a standalone hymnal. So if you want to get your hands on a copy it's already in print by GIA publishers. Uh, they're calling it the Divine Office Hymnal. Hmm. Uh, it's been it's been out uh, and available since July. Um, so when we do the whole rest of the and finish the whole rest of the Liturgy of the Hours, you'll be able to get it as part of the Liturgy of the Hours. But right now, you can get it uh, as a standalone hymnal. And this is what uh, a close translation of the Latin actually is for the whole hymn. The Father's soul-begotten Son, you came through Mary, virgin chaste, to hallow all who are baptized and born again by faith in you. From highest heaven you go forth, assuming human form and flesh, to save creation by your death, bestowing all the joys of life. Redeeming Lord, grant this, we pray, come down to us, with grace descend to show and offer to our hearts your clear and deifying light. Remain with us, O Lord our God. Remove the darkness of our night and wash away all sin and guilt. In mercy grant your healing balm. All glory be to you, O Christ, the Father and the Spirit blessed. In splendor from the heights of heaven, reveal that you are life and truth. Amen. All right. So, so can that, I just uh, throw a thought in there? Just comparing sure. to the to the previous one. So the previous one was, was pretty, I mean, it was pretty poetic and beautiful and, you know, had a line about, you know, we're grateful that we're baptized. This, I, 
is is fascinating to me because it goes through the whole concept of not just our baptism, but Christ coming and being revealed, which is also a key aspect of of the baptism of the Lord. Is the revelation that happens right. when the Father says, uh, "You know, this <laughs> exactly. is my Son and the Holy Spirit." It's it, it just matches better. Uh, I, yeah, it just matches better. Yeah. So it mentions baptism in the first stanza. It also mentions in the fourth stanza, "Wash away all sin and guilt." Right. It also picks up on these themes. So the first and second stanza have to do with the incarnation. So it's sort of in anticipation of celebrating the baptism. We're kind of recalling the recent feasts in the liturgical year of Christmas and Epiphany. So we're picking up on themes of of incarnation and light from Epiphany. And so we're sort of looking, taking these other liturgical feasts and, and kind of looking ahead to the celebration and of the baptism. contextualizing the baptism in the middle of them. No, yeah. this is awesome. Do you, are you yeah. like, when you go and you find one of these texts and you're like, compare it to what we've been sort of like using almost as like a, I mean, I don't want to say filler. I don't want to be that crass about it, but something yeah. that sort of matches, but, and, but and then you kind of see what the, in. yeah, so, but, but you see what the original kind of intent and language of the church is. Are you like a kid in a candy store on this stuff? <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. It's like we, we've, what we've gotten wasn't bad, but we've just been missing out on so many things that we could have been having. Um, you know, there's this a beautiful, uh, in, in this fourth stanza, remain with us, O Lord, our God, remove the darkness of our night. That, that first line is actually a quotation of the gospel. Stay with us, Lord, for the evening is approaching. Mm. Right. So it even ties in with the time of day because we're, we're singing this, uh, for evening prayer. So there's this idea that, you know, darkness is coming, uh, and then, uh, and then after the darkness comes the light of the of the new day, the day that we're celebrating the baptism. So we're saying, "Remain with us, O Lord, and remove the darkness of our night." Um, so we're even sort of tying in the hymn to the the time of day. To the time of day, yeah, that's so yeah. cool. Well, we've got a link to uh, the International Commission on the English and the Liturgy, and you mentioned that there's that hymnal, and I, I'd love to talk about some more examples of these things. I just find these examples so absolutely fascinating because uh, they just really show what the church is trying to get us to see and how yeah. the church is trying to get us to see these things. But Dr. Benjamin Lewis, thank you as always. Have a great day. You too, Matt. Again, isolweb.org linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Go check it out. Dr. James Schrader joining us next. We're right back right after this. Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming. And your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonrisemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's sonrisemorningshow.com. Support for Sacred Art Radio is from Elizabeth's New Life Center, serving at-risk pregnant women and their babies for more than 30 years. Join them for their South Partnership Celebration, October 5th and 6th, with inspirational keynote speakers Bishop Earl Fernandez from the Diocese of Columbus and Dr. Ashley Fernandez, Associate Director of the Center for Bioethics at OSU. More information at their website, enlc.life. That's enlc.life. 
Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from J.C. Health Insurance agent George Justin. If you're turning 65, retiring, or simply have Medicare questions, George has answers. George is your pro-family, pro-life guide to Medicare, helping to simplify your transition by guiding you through the options to find a plan that meets your unique needs, all at no cost to you. Find out more from George Johnston at J.C. Health Insurance, 859-414-6591. That's 859-414-6591. Offering Catholic retreats based on Ignatian spirituality, the Jesuit Spiritual Center invites you to a weekend of prayer and renewal led by various retreat masters, including Father Michael Graham. Join others for a weekend of silence as you experience the great treasures of the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Register now at JesuitSpiritualCenter.com, JesuitSpiritualCenter.com, that's JesuitSpiritualCenter.com, JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Dr. James Schrader, Vice President of the Psychology and Wellness Department for Easter Seals Rehab Center. Find his writing and podcasts at james-schrader.com. You can also catch him every now and then in places like the National Catholic Register. Dr. Schrader, good morning. Yeah, good morning. So I know that you, at the beginning of school, well, let's just say business is probably booming for you (laughs) because all the issues that might have been put off during the summer kind of resurface when kids go back to school. Uh, But when it comes to the major issues, um, especially when it comes to adolescents who are facing kind of big things in their life, parents can feel kind of helpless, can't they? I mean, is this part of why it's important to have you kind of larger psychological conversations? Yeah, they can. I mean, there's so much that goes on when you come back to school, and it's not just the academics, right? It's coming back into the social world. It's coming back into managing the technology. It's coming back into all sorts of things that are going on. So, yeah, I think it's one of the reasons why we as parents, one of the first things we always have to do in general is to make sure we're having ongoing conversations about really relevant issues. And I think yeah, a lot of people have grown up in places or had situations where they just they felt like they were trying to go through the motions, but they were struggling because they didn't really feel like there was an avenue of communication that was always open. And so they didn't really know how to reach out in a positive way, and then that often leads to negative you know, habits and behaviors. Well, I mean, there's also a lot of, and uh, I'm not going to say other people, I'll say me, of thinking, well, let me just bring in my own memories of similar experiences, and I'll, I'm going to crack this case at home. Right? I don't need right. any outside help. <laughs> you know, and there should be a reliance upon our own experience of these issues and what we thought was handled well or poorly in our own experience. But we've got a whole community. We've got a whole church full of people. We've got a whole body of research that shares us, shares all kinds of interesting things that might be helpful to us. Yeah, and that's true. I mean, we as parents would like to think that we can take care of everything on our own. But sometimes, I mean, true strength, true resiliency lies in the fact of saying, hey, look, here's what I have to offer, but I also realize that you probably are needing some other resources, right? And those resources are available. And I think that's one of the things that we have to remember as parents is that fear is often the major component, the major reason why all of us don't necessarily get the help we need. And maybe it's fear of embarrassment, right? Maybe it's fear of trying something and and then you think, oh, but what if 
I fail or what if my kids try it and they fail? I mean, fear is, you know, it's understandable. It's very, very natural. But unfortunately, it is often resistance. And I was talking about this recently, the idea that, you know, fear exists on a continuum. On one of the continuum is what we call the true real threat continuum or part of the continuum. Like, you know, my fear of walking across the interstate or my fear of being around someone who's abusive. Like there's a true threat there and that fear is kind of guiding us away from something that is not safe. But on the other end of the continuum is what we call that resistance, um, that idea of that I have fear that really is actually resistance towards you know, greater growth in my capacity, greater growth in the areas I need to improve. And of course, everything that lies in, in between, you know, you can have, have a mixture of both. But so often, I think with us and our kids, we find that, that the fear we're having is largely weighted in that area of resistance. And it's not so much that there's a true threat that awaits this, but rather it's resistance to something that's much better. And that's, that's where we really have to focus our attention on avenues of growing through that. I think one of the things that parents tend to struggle with um, quite a bit, at least all the parents that I talk to whenever I commiserate, is that you know, where is that balance between being in the situation as much as you're supposed to be without smothering a person, <laughs> you know, right. because right. you don't want to be distant and seem like you're not there for your kid, but you don't want to be smothering until where they're just like, ah, just leave me alone, dad. Right. I mean, these, right. these are the things that, that I think a lot of parents, when it comes to, I mean, and you've mentioned things like bullying or maybe like trouble on social media or trouble with boundaries, uh, trouble with stuff at school that kids aren't really willing to even talk about. Like, I mean, I feel like that's a tension that, that a lot of parents have to deal with. Like, how much is too much? How much is too little when I get involved? Right. We, I was actually speaking at a couple of parishes up in Minneapolis this past weekend, and we were having this very discussion that we're talking about right now, which is that you feel like part of you feels like when your kids are struggling, that as a good parent, you immediately need to swoop in and kind of rescue them and, like, take care of what's going on and make sure that you have solutions and everything available. But what we were saying was that while at, that is out of good intent, you know, that's out of good care, especially as our kids are getting older, if we continue to do that too much, right, we continue to be in helicoptering in or whatever else, we can also kind of be preventing development of skills that these kids need as they're getting into be adults. And so one of the merges that I said this weekend we were talking about as an idea is that if you're a parent in this situation, you can kind of – you can provide care. You can provide conversation. You can provide re reflection and ideas to a certain extent. But one thing we shouldn't do, especially with our adolescents, is we shouldn't allow them just to avoid – something altogether, like maybe avoid making a decision about it or avoid um, taking a step that is necessary to kind of remedy a situation. So the merge here is to say, look, and this is literally what I would say to one of our adolescents, like, hey, look, here's how I'm going to help you out with this, but you've got to be part of this. You've got to be a co-partner. Like, I'm not going to rescue you from this. And so by not rescuing them fully, you are still kind of encouraging their development um, to the point that it's you know good for getting older in their adulthood, but at the same time you're showing some level of care um, and concern that they recognize. You know who else says, "I want to be involved in your life and I want to <laughs> give you the, the help that you need to do things, but I want you to be involved in this process and be a cooperator in it." Uh, yeah, God. God. <laughs> God, right, right. We are co-partners in everything we do, and that's why we have this gift of free will that we are left to use, right?
Yeah, well, and it just reminds us that parents, uh, you know, God gave us this vocation to be a reflection of what he wants for, for us. So great stuff, Dr. James Schrader. Really appreciate you as always. We've got you linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Have a great day. Yeah, you too. Thanks. All right. Well, that wraps it up on a Monday morning. We'll be back again tomorrow. Thanks for being with us. Until then, I'm Matt Swain. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. Jesus said, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Do business with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Check out the angels list on sacredheartradio.com. It's a list of businesses who underwrite Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. And if you'd like to get your business on the angels list, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. Married couples, this fall we invite you to set aside time to grow in holiness. Join us for a weekend marriage retreat to pray, receive the sacraments, and grow in relationship with your spouse through intentional time spent together. Special guests Ryan and Mary Rose Verrett will guide you to more clearly see, embrace, and live out Christ's plan for your marriage. Held at Catholic Family Land near Steubenville, Ohio, October 20th through the 22nd. Register at afc.org. Longtime underwriter and proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, Cincinnati Right to Life ensures that God-given human rights are guaranteed for all simply by being human. Regardless of age or stage, ability or disability, CincinnatiRightToLife.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Ken Herbert Plumbing. Ken Herbert Plumbing, a drain cleaning specialist, uses color drain cameras to help find and fix drainage issues. Ken Herbert Plumbing, for residential and commercial plumbing repair. 513-383-2974. Being prepared is everything, right? Does your family know your wishes for your final resting place? Gate of Heaven Cemetery, Archdiocese of Cincinnati's pre-planning family services advisors will assist you and your family with your advanced planning by helping you make decisions calmly and with a clear mind. Attend an upcoming pre-planning seminar at Gate of Heaven Cemetery so you can rest with peace of mind. 513-489-0300. 513-489-0300. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Is inflation making you feel frustrated and out of control when it comes to your expenses? We have a solution. It's Solidarity HealthShare. With Solidarity HealthShare, you control what doctors you go to and how much you spend with pricing options that start as low as $384 for families. Take control of your health care and your budget with Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. Why wait in endless lines at the pharmacy when Brozard Pharmacy, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can fill your prescriptions in a timely manner with high quality. Rosart Pharmacy, fast, friendly service without the wait. 513-941-0428. I am Father Rufino Ezama, the Provincial Superior of the Comboni Missionaries. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at Sacred Heart Radio.